Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What a weird way to start. Uh, hey, everybody. What a great what a great episode. I'm very excited about this episode. This is Chris Thayer. This is a newer comedian and a friend of mine and just one of the hands-down funniest people I know. And I'm so thrilled that he got to come into the show because it's not every day. It's not every day you meet somebody and you're like, what is up with this guy? Funny. He's young. He's super weird. And I mean that in the best possible way. So I was so glad that we got to uh, record this conversation. Let's get into it. You know the deal by now. You made it weird.com for all the t shirts, stickers, all that sort of stuff made by weirdos for weirdos. And there is also a donate button there. You can directly support the show and help Katie get Invisalign braces. Uh, <laughs> that, that's just a great way to support. People have been looking for a way to support. That's the way to do it. Uh, watch the Squire Brothers new show. It's on Tuesday nights, 10, 9 central on History Channel. It's called the United States of America. We love those guys. We're trying to get people to watch that great show. Email the show, weird at nerdist.com. You know the uh, tour dates by now. If you're hearing this on Friday, the day it comes out, I am in Salt Lake City at Wise Guys. Uh, I really love Utah. I fit in I fit in here pretty well. And uh, a lot of great uh, Utah weirdos have been coming out, which is great. May 26th, I'm at Sasquatch. Uh, I'm going to Bloomington, Indiana on June 3rd. We're doing a live You Made It Weird on Sunday, June 3rd in Bloomington, Indiana at the Comedy Attic. The weekend before, I'll be doing stand-up there as well. Go to PeteHolmes.com to see all these dates. I'm going back to Chicago. I'm going to Dallas, Texas. I'm going to Brunswick, New Jersey. I'm going to... Oh, that's a private show, but that's in Florida. Who cares? (laughs) Uh, I'm going to Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, Chicago, Illinois again, and then Appleton, Wisconsin. Go to PeteHolmes.com. Check that out. Go to uh, Facebook.com, regular slash You Made It Weird. Post your favorite moments on the show. I love when people do that, and we are going to get around, I promise, to giving away some stuff eventually. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy Chris Thayer. He's the best. You're the best. Stay crispy. (laughs) Are we recording? I love recording. You're gonna. That's no. You, I'm not. Recording. No, I'm that would be really paranoid. To empty my pockets. Is that that's your little recorder? That is. I don't know why I said that kind of condescendingly. Oh, my little recorder. This is for your stand-up. Yeah. Let's play some. No, I was gonna. Rec- I, I wanted to uh, record the mention from the Steve Ag episode. Oh, uh, what did I say? I forgot about that. I remember what I said. I said to Steve Ag. Chris, my buddy Chris Thayer, and this is Chris Thayer, everybody. My buddy Chris Thayer, and I said he's a great comedian, right? <laughs> yeah. And then what I said? And then you're like, well, no, 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 let it be quiet for a second because there was a long pause. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he a, a, a great comic, a great comedian, like that's like Louis or something. So, I mean, he, he's a he's a good guy or no, no he's, a, he's, a, he's a great guy and a good comic he's kind of a new comic well he hasn't been doing it that long yes and you haven't that's true people love the old up-and-comers that's what we call you you're one of those up-and-comers people talk about i'm the only one you're the only up-and-coming person <laughs> just me just the new guy just, i'm the newest guy. you've been doing it three years three and a half years three and a half mm-hmm. that's a good time in a stand-up's beginnings it feels- uh, on my timeline you're still nervous if you're if you're me, it took 
Five years, I think. I've, uh, yeah, five years. That's what old Billy Burr said to me when I was opening for him. And uh, we went out to dinner before some show in Peoria, and I couldn't eat. And he was like, still, still can't eat, huh? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I can't. He's like, five years, five years, it'll go away. And that's about right. So you still get nervous? Uh, yeah. If you had a big yes, show, do. do you get, like, real pukey? Or, like, I, I, get, I used to get, like, dry heavy and stuff. Not pukey. I think I'm not ritualistic enough. Like, I don't pay attention enough to... Uh how you know the signs that are present before every show maybe because sometimes i'll be like oh i got a big show but i'm hungry and then i'll go have indian food and like, <laughs> like tea and then i'm just anxious and i'm like but oh i gotta go gotta go gotta go sorry this whole time i'm thinking about prior <laughs> oh god we, we were we were in the car dying with laughter i was on the way here driving you here here weeping because we were talking about how so many people cite Richard Pryor as a reference, but then often just take the worst parts of him. Or at least that was the premise we were playing with. <laughs> yes. Guys that di- didn't get what Pryor was about, so they'd be like, he was so yeah. honest. I really like the honesty and the sensitivity <laughs> that he brought to the art form. Of, you know, he really elevated it yeah. to an art form. Yeah. You know? White people be walking like this, and the black people, we cool, man, we be taking the bus. And then I was, I was thinking, I was trying, I'm trying to do it with you, uh-huh. and I'm trying to take a laugh, and I'm like, these people won't be going, you need to move your car! I want to take a left, I can't be sitting here for 500 weeks! <laughs> <laughs> and then that turned, first of all, we were talking, 500 weeks is maybe the funniest thing I've ever, that's the funniest increment of time. <laughs> I'm going to be sitting here for 500 weeks! I can't make a left because you know when you're making a left and the cars in front of you aren't being aggressive enough. So that and you five hundred weeks, and then that just became filthy Cosby, which is like, Rudy, get over there, I'm gonna fuck you, and you don't know the Cosby I show. That, yeah, because I, I told you that I was busy being six years old, <laughs> so I didn't see the Cosby show. That was a real old man home this moment for me. I was like, uh, why? Well, I couldn't believe that you hadn't seen. I was the like, Cosby oh, show. I thought Rudy, I thought Rudy was a boy. That was the problem. <laughs> right. No. And like, Rudy, I want to suck your dick, Rudy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I was like, what an interesting take. <laughs> what an interesting take on Filthy Cosby. <laughs> I read the book behind the scenes. And then you did Camille. My wife, Camille, gets a cum. Oh, cum. A cum <laughs> meal. <laughs> Well, I guess it's all out there now. <laughs> My wife, Camille, and you do it so effortlessly, you went, Gum got the, what was it, the creamsicle dick and on in your face. <laughs> I got the Camille. <laughs> I hope you're hungry. This is some filthy shit. <laughs> I'm saying that, but I'm saying it as Cosby. I know we've gone from zero to filthy, but Jesus, I laughed so hard. And now every time you go, do 500 weeks again. 500 weeks? (laughs) That is up there with not feeling it to me. 500 weeks? You're waiting in line at the post office. I can't be waiting here for 500 weeks. Got to mail a letter. In your oh, this is what I remember. I was like, I didn't want to. You're a big Richard Pryor fan, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
seeing as you're a tiny, tiny white man. That is true. That is true. <laughs> you're one of those tiny white men. Well, I was the other uh, side of the argument. I was saying some people take the style, some people take the substance. Yes, but uh, they often forget to they, take both. He had right. both sides. So right. The other side is like the nerdy white corn dog version. Which like, oh yeah, the honesty. And then they, you just go up on stage and you're like, so. Uh, <laughs> What did I do today? Uh, yeah, no pretense here. Wait, that, that, well, that's actually no pretense of writing a joke. You yes, five hundred. You <laughs> you do that. You are okay. you're a, you're one of those young people. You're uh, twenty five, mm-hmm. twenty five years old. And I was I was just talking to Shelby Thoreau about this, uh, and she's eighteen, which is ridiculous. Barely. <laughs> <laughs> she's barely eighteen. I believe you were going to say, you were going to say barely legal. She'll be ferocious. <laughs> I may have said that too. Oh, God. Which is really funny because we were talking on the phone and you said she'll be ferocious. <laughs> and then I totally stole that. I write all of his stuff. <laughs> That's kind of true. You write all my conversation bits. And that was the first snort I've had on air. You're 25, and what I was talking to Shelby, but it didn't really come out uh, like this as well as I wanted it to, was the idea that I, I remember when I was doing stand-up, and I was 25, mm-hmm. I was talking to this guy who was going to be, a, he was a manager, and he was going to manage me, or, or he didn't. He decided not to be my manager. And I was talking to him, and I was really offended at the time. Uh, it just was inconceivable. I was like, what are you doing? What's your fucking problem? I'm, How long had you been doing stand-up at that at point? At 25, I had been doing it for four years, I guess, mm-hmm. so right about where you were. Is that right? I started when I was 20... I don't care. Uh, I started, I guess I started when I was 22. 21, 22. Yep. So anyway, uh, I was talking to him, and I'll, it haunted me. It haunted me because he was like, yeah, I just don't know what you're about. He's like, he was like what, what, do you, what makes you angry? What makes you happy? What, what do you really care about? And I sat there, and I was like, I have no fucking idea. Somewhere. And I wouldn't for another five years, I don't think. Pierce get beers. that's what i'm passionate about (laughs) well it's funny that you say that of course that is a perfect example of just utter bullshit (laughs) that i do subway well well i guess makes me tick you could say subway is i i I just said this uh did i say it on the show katie i don't know (laughs) there are two kinds of bits i have those that i can say do you understand during and then the worst ones (laughs) you know what i mean if i can do a bit where i really the do you understand stuff is from a place of like I really do care about this. Yeah. So Subway, even though it's silly, I do care about factory farm mass yeah, process yeah. bullshit that we all eat, that I eat, that we all eat. And then you can say, do you understand? There's there's some feeling behind that. And then when I was 25, I there were no bits that I had that I could say, do you under? I had no do you understand bits. I only had stuff about like it was observations. It was trite observational bullshit because nothing had happened to me yet. Five hundred. Nothing had happened to me yet. <laughs> Uh, so what do you what do you draw upon as a twenty five year old? Um, well, it's I feel weird with the uh, you know because I want to get to the a place of do you understand too, but at sure. the same time it's like the stuff that's personal to me is not necessarily relatable to everybody. So for me, it's a lot of confusion about what to do with my life and stuff. Yeah, like, that. like I didn't go to college, and I think that I kind of uh, am a little bit embarrassed by that. Maybe. Really? Yeah, you, I didn't know that about you. So I. I just think about that. I'm like, what? What should I do with my? Or like, what is right in life and stuff yeah. like that? And uh, you mean in your stand-up, you talk about what is right? Yeah, some sense of justice, social justice, something like yeah, yeah. Ju- or just like what is the ultimate right thing you can do? What's 
what's motivation is selfish and, mm-hmm. and not, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You, uh, but okay. Where oh, I had so many things to say. Why didn't you go to college? What happened there? Uh, when I was, you're super smart. By the way, we should talk about how we met too. You're super smart, and no one. I, I would put you against anybody for making me laugh. No, I just vomited. <laughs> no one makes me laugh harder than you, and uh, which is amazing. Which is weird because someone uh, we were talking to Duncan Trussell last mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. And uh, which that well, we have to talk about that evening okay. as well, which is weird because I always feel weird when I bring people to a meal with Duncan because like ten minutes in we were talking about like Alistair which, Crowley. Yeah, we were like, which books from the occult should we mm-hmm. be reading? And then I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not normally like this. <laughs> and then we were literally at a restaurant with a candelabra, <laughs> yeah. and it just looked like picture Duncan's house like in your imagination. That's what this restaurant looked like. There were candles and like fucking weird paintings mm-hmm. and secret trap. Like a haunted mansion. It looked like a haunted mansion, mm-hmm. and that was very. very very bizarre. Haunted bachelor pad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, 500. We, uh, what did I want to talk about? Well, college, first of all, but also, yeah. You'd how put we me met. up against anybody. As making me laugh. No one makes me laugh harder than you. It's fucking insane. That's the subtle compliment that I wanted to give you, which is we were talking to Duncan about how I've never seen your stand up. Yeah. Now, now, that's the first weird thing. <laughs> now, but the thing is, I know you're funny, and I don't want to be troubled with your stand-up. I don't. I don't. I can't be bothered. There's like. There's like a. There's like a. There's a compliment in there. It's like I know you're funny. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then I just texted Ricky Lindholm to do the podcast, and she replied, "Who is this?" Thanks, Ricky. Maybe she can't be bothered. Laser accuracy. <laughs> that is some tight shit. <laughs> oh, that's the other thing I was going to tell you. We got so many things in in the, in the uh, prior rip off. I was going to tell you how I ripped off prior. Uh, so it was. Oh, so I was telling Duncan. The idea is, it's almost like I don't need to be convinced. I'm already won over. So why would I watch your stand up? I guess to enjoy it. I almost feel now. It's at the point now, though, where I'm like, I almost don't want you to see it, just yeah. in, just in case. What if it's garbage? <laughs> yeah. What if it's pure garbage? What if it's horrible? But that's the other thing we were talking about. It's just kind of like, we know you can't be that good. You can't be that good. I I'm sure be. you're fucking great as you can be yeah. at three years. But unless you're, I've, I guess, Eddie a, Murphy, nobody's good when they start. an established thing among my friends that I'm, uh, fu- <laughs> I like to say that I'm, the funniest person in San Francisco off stage. Is that right? No, I mean nobody else will agree with that. Everyone's any everyone uh, I know in San Francisco is gonna be like, fuck this asshole. Right, no, no, no. But people uh, are also saying people fuck, have jokingly like me for being a bad friend and not in consuming your stand up. Nah. But th- you are super funny and your stand up is three years in, so without even seeing it, I kinda just wanna almost just be like, I know you're not gonna quit. Yeah. You're going to keep doing it, and around six years, then Ooh. we'll start tuning in. <laughs> then I'll watch. Yeah, but then we'll have some... Ah, garbage. We'll, we'll be doing some TV appearances and stuff. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be really, really bizarre. Well, so, okay, so what are the nine million things that we could talk about? You didn't go to college. Nope. Oh, what what could I have done? Or what, what happened with that was uh, I was 17. I lived in El Paso, Texas, and I was thinking of going to... Hunter College in New York for creative writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that, I mean, I pretty much just thought of it in my mind. That was as far as I got. I think I asked for a, a packet or something from them. But At it was the like, booth that they set up? There was no money yeah. it, like set ahead or anything. Oh, you didn't know how to... No, I didn't know what to do. Because you got kind of like a strange family thing going 
right? Oh, yeah. What was the family sitch at that time? At that point, um, I was eagerly looking forward to moving out. My mom said I couldn't move out until I was 18. Uh, uh-huh. But I graduated high school when I was 17, so there was just a few I'm months I'm picturing period. your mom as Kim Basinger in 8 Mile. She is Kim Basinger in Basic Instincts. <laughs> is she in that movie? <laughs> you know, that's the is other Kim way. Basinger in that movie? Sharon Stone. Your mom is Sharon Stone? In 8 Mile. I've seen your mom's rapping pussy. <laughs> we blended all the okay. movies. All the things. Okay. <laughs> um, the creams of gold. Sorry. So, <laughs> so you were you're living with your mom. Yesterday, uh, two days ago, I confused uh, Tim Robbins with Michael Keaton <laughs> in a reference I was trying to make. Thankfully, it was also off stage. Oh, wait, 30,000 people are going to hear this? Can you edit that? Just uh, okay. <laughs> no, you're, it's, it's fantastic. I so don't you, know movies. I'd like to put that out there right no, now. No, I know. We're not going to do too many references. You didn't know the Cosby show. You thought Rudy had a dick. Rudy! <laughs> Got a dick. <laughs> okay, so you're living with your mom, and you're just kind of planning on My mom, going... my stepdad, my brother, and my sister. Oh, and uh, that's, a, that's a much bigger picture. Just waiting to move out, pretty much. Right. Why? Uh, Why were you excited about moving out? Was it terrible? Yeah, the teenage period was like pretty rough, and then towards the end of that was just like I just felt like I wasn't part of the family anymore. I shut myself off. I stopped going on vacations. They stopped inviting me on vacations. <laughs> no, they're really? like, we just figured you didn't want to go, and they were right though. I would rather stay home in El Paso. But you're such a lovable guy. Drink with my friends. Talk to people on Instant Messenger. Wait, you were drinking at a young and tender age? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When did you start drinking? I started drinking when I was 15. Fuck, man. Is that that crazy? I don't know. I think that's pretty normal. That sounds pretty crazy to old I felt like I was a late bloomer. Late bloomer? When I was in middle school. Katie, when did you start drinking? 15. 15. Well, you guys are fucking weirdos. When when I was in middle school. Oh, we outnumber you. You're the weirdo. Yeah. Well, I'm the host. Oh, okay. (laughs) When I was a... I started... I think I was 20. I'm such a pussy. I'm such a pussy. When did you lose your... VJ? Uh-huh. <laughs> Virginity job? Your, your video jockey on MTV? <laughs> That's Dave home. Dave, oh, sorry. I lost my virginity when I was 21. Okay, I lost mine when I was 16. 16? Well, you're, no doubt you're fucking pouring Chardonnays for you and your little underage friends. You're like, why don't you drop those underoos to the floor? <laughs> pouring a creamy wild oak. What? A creamy wine? Get out of here. I was trying to think of a brand of wine. Wild Oak. Wild Oak. <laughs> a Wild Oak Chardonnay. A, a, a foamy Carlo Rossi for my friends. <laughs> you, my fucking 15-year-old you having sex is making me die. 16. 16. How old was the girl? Uh, 18. Scoop. You got a scoop. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the scoop bell. You, had, you didn't lose your virginity. You were raped. I was raped. That's legal rape. I was raped. <laughs> you just realized. I just had a breakthrough time. on the show. And you loved it. Uh, no, I didn't. Well, tell me about it then. Uh, this well, is so... Were you drunk? Uh, a little bit. This yeah. is so weird. I played with action figures till I was 18. Uh, so sh- she you're was getting sex. a slightly older lady. Yep. And, uh, well, you're 16. Hey, 16 to 18, that's barely. Yeah, but if you're 16, you're like, yeah, older woman. Older woman. <laughs> she raped me. Did you she have pubes? <laughs> yes. I very clearly remember that night I had pubes. <laughs> um, Do you remember when your pubes came in? It's so itchy. No, but I remember the first time that I came and 
<laughs> and like it just melts the logic that it, that you thought life existed within. What do you mean? Like I knew that that was going to happen eventually, coming, but I didn't know when. Yeah, because I was I had been masturbating without for coming. years before then. Just that gas release. Yeah, and then it, and then it happened, and I swear to God, I was like, can, "Am I going to get pregnant?" I thought. <laughs> oh my God! I can't believe like, it. That's, just that's I, a thought right out of my own brain. I, was, I thought I, I could give pregnant? myself AIDS. <laughs> Oh, every sex ed talk was just like, well, you hey, could, if you had AIDS, you pregnancy would AIDS, but you'd already AIDS. have it. It's just giving yourself double AIDS. Yeah. Double AIDS is no no worse than single AIDS. <laughs> I remember masturbating and being like, oh, no, it's air activated or something, <laughs> and it's on me, and I just gave myself AIDS. <laughs> but, I mean, like, you can't blame us. They, they raised us with AIDS and pregnancy and fear. That's oh, yeah. what sex was I was also so at. young when it ha- I mean, I think I felt... Looking back on it, it feels like I was very young because I was a bedwetter until I was like twelve years old. Uh huh. So I, I, <laughs> this was like, years this later, was like in, into like a, a pamper for like a, you know, like a teen pamper. I was like, <laughs> wait, you, you jerked you know, off like, into pull, your pamper? Like, pull off pants. <laughs> you, wait, the first time you masturbated was into your diaper. I think it was. <laughs> 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 Scoop. <laughs> And you know what? It's kind of perfect. You know what? No, no one ever really talks about is there's some leaking that happens after you jerk off. You got it. You, you know oh. what I'm saying? This is a filthy episode. I'm really enjoying it though. I'm just saying, after you come, your dick kind of isn't done coming for a while. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm gonna start you gotta wearing go pull-ups. You gotta pee right after. Well, the peeing—that's how to seal the deal. That's how you're like. Now we've switched the mode of the dick. However, of the dick. However, underweight. I, I feel like usually you can get the rest of what out, what's in there out if you pee right away after. Yes. But I told that to somebody, another comic in San Francisco. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, when there's like a little in there, and then you pee, and then there's like come in there, and then he was like, no, I don't know about that. I actually don't know. About and that, then I was, really? oh god. God, that's what I thought you were talking about. No, no. I was like, I'm not alone. Well, well, then I looked it up, and it's a, it's a, it's a condition. You have a condition. <laughs> it's called retrograde ejaculation, where it's like a little bit of it goes into like your bladder or something. Oh, that's I don't, I don't have. Look, I'm not, I'm not freaked out by that. So I, so I came in my diaper <laughs> to, to clarify retrograde ejaculation. And you, had, I was raped. <laughs> yeah, you had pubes. What are we, yeah, what are we, this five, the, five minutes in. This is the best episode ever. And Pete's never seen me do stand up. So. <laughs> Yet I fully believe in you and recommend you for shows and stuff. Right? I mean, that's that is that's a compliment. That's, that's, that's a good. compliment. I uh, recommend you to like managers and agents, or I would. Okay, we don't need to say this. This is inside baseball. Is it? Just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so sixteen, eighteen, okay, virginity. But the thing was, uh, so <laughs> did you? Wait, I was fumbling. Wearing I was wearing a diaper. diaper. <laughs> no, no, we were both inside of a big diaper with four leg holes. <laughs> You were wearing a double diaper. They make those in Denmark. The double diaper for the fuck diaper. DP double pamper. <laughs> you DP her, man. You double pamper. Oh my Jesus! I'm like, I want to be safe. <laughs> this giant diaper. <laughs> Anyone not laughing isn't doing the math of picturing two teens wearing a sex diaper. And then coming and having it be safer that The problem way. was that, uh, so it was my first time. It was not her first time. She got on top, and then I was just, I had no chance. What do you mean? Are I, we wearing I a just, bag? I wore a bag, and I just, right away. And then I ran out of the room. <laughs> I ran. Kind of like the first time you came. You were like, am I going to get pregnant? What an interesting and shameful. Every sexual first, I run. There's running involved. <laughs> 
I ran out of the room. But where is the shame coming from? That was just fear of like, I, I was like... Why did you run out of the room? Let's start with that. I wore a bag, and then I also was trying to pull out as also, well to, yeah. to double up the safety. And then I ran away to like get rid of the condom and make just... I don't know. It was my first... I didn't know what to do. So she, she got a top. She mm-hmm. mounted. Mm-hmm. And then what are we talking? 30 seconds? Two pumps. Two pumps? <laughs> Probably two pumps. I, I have you beat by four pumps. <laughs> oh, God. I've never been... Well, you were a child. I was a grown man You're with a car. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> I had a car and a job You're when I lost car, my... You had a job. I had nothing. Uh, you had nothing. I, I took a Greyhound bus. You took a bus to get to this woman? You took a fuck bus? I took the fuck bus. <laughs> took that dirty bus. You took the dirty bus? <laughs> that was something you said yesterday is the funniest term for anal sex. Oh, we were looking for a rug for you at Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> and you you're, you have dark hardwood floors. Yes. And then I said she rolled out the brown carpet for you. <laughs> that was how. That's the funniest way to ask if you had anal sex with somebody. <laughs> Did she roll out the brown carpet? <laughs> what? But it I also... doesn't make any sense, but it's the best. And by the way, we bought a brown carpet and we went into my place we rolled it out on my stupid and it disappeared. floor it's the exact, it's the exact same, same color. color as the fucking floor i'm color deficient that's all i can say is i i have a bad time with some colors but i rolled that out and even i knew it looked like someone shit a carpet on my floor it was the worst and then you were like so you want to go return this right now i wanted to return it immediately <laughs> which i understand but i was like no, we just went to Ikea. Yeah, but as trips to Ikea go... It was pretty fun. Pretty fun and pretty painless. There was a Cranberries song on the... No, not the Cranberries. Uh, yeah. It's not the Cranberries. What song was it? I don't it? know any references. No, you don't. But Cranberries is always a safe guess. It's not the Cranberries. If you're on a date, you just go, so who's your favorite band? Is it the Cranberries? <laughs> <laughs> 99% you're right. What song? I want to remember what song. Love me, love me. Oh, Say yeah. that you love me. That's not me. the Cranberries. That's Katie. the candied pecans. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Nope. Who is it? Some fucking European garbage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that song being on. <clears throat> oh, that's why I was like doing moves and directing us. Oh, I remember you were doing the moves. That was very, very funny. A very... The two of us were and we carrying were counting... a rug as a team. We were... That's true. And we were... <laughs> it was the best. And we were counting couples... And saying, which ones do you want to be and which ones don't you want to be? Which is a fun game to play in Ikea. Because there's the ones that are in love, you know, 500 Days of Summer style. And they're going... 500 weeks? <laughs> <laughs> Laser! <laughs> and they're the ones that are jumping on uh, couches and they're pretending that it's their kitchen. And Have you ever fun. seen that happen? I've, I've seen that stuff happen. Oh we didn't really see any of them. But then you No, did we s- didn't. Every couple that we count... We just... We didn't even... We go, okay, anytime we count somebody, that's a couple we don't want to be. Yeah. Which means there was no other option. Well, no, I said one. One, two. No, I said one means uh, you don't. Oh, I thought you were counting. No, no, no. Every time I just said one. Because a lot of the the couples were just kind of like, like they looked like they were moving in together and weren't sure about it. I didn't. Nothing feels worse than moving in with a girlfriend and going to Ikea and buying a fjord. (laughs) And being like, this is the fjord I'm going to sit on when I regret this decision. (laughs) And I'm going to build it sweaty and pegs and realize I'm seven steps deep in the third step, which I kind of phoned in as fucked. Oh, Jesus. You get at home, you're like, well, I guess this is the best I can do. I one time bought an Ikea table. dowels everywhere. No, no, I didn't even try to put the table together. This sounds like a bit, but I used the box that the table was in (laughs) as my coffee table for months. Months? It was like I was living like a sitcom. It's like, well, how do we explain the character of Pete? 
Well, he uses an IKEA box for a table. I, for a long time, when I first moved to San Francisco, I just had a borrowed sleeping bag as my bed for like six months. You win. For a little while. <laughs> for a little while, because I didn't have a pillow, I just put a heavy jacket over a phone book. Oh my God. And That's I like was... an Egyptian pillow. One of those hard, non-yielding things. <laughs> like a neck brace that looks like a Y. I don't know how... <laughs> People would come over to my house, though. Like, ladies would come over, and I'd be like, this is it! And then you'd roll like, out... Yeah, that you'd really roll is out the it. sleeping bag and be like, let's no, get it's, to it's, fucking... It just pre-rolled out. I'm like, this is my room. It doubles as a couch when I sit on it. <laughs> oh, 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 what? So that... Well, we have so many things. I want to hear your origin story, because it sounds pretty fucked up! <laughs> Uh, but let's. What you run out of the room and old Mountie Two Top. Oh well, the sad part of the story. <laughs> the, uh, the other yeah. sad parts of the story. So I was there. Vi- I was there visiting. What for are you few drunk days. on, or what were you drinking at that point in my adolescence? Uh, yeah. Shit. I feel like um, it could have been beer, but it also could have either been Boone's Farm. Like wine cooler type thing, uh-huh. or Lambrusco, which is a sparkling red wine. I feel like those are made exclusively for the Teens. tween market. <laughs> like we know you want to start drinking. Here's key lime pie cooler. Oh yeah, that's not for anybody. I was upset. People were like, "Hey, you want a beer?" And I'm like, uh, "I gotta." Can somebody go to the store and please <laughs> get a key lime cooler? Give me strawberry farm. <laughs> 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 so you're filled with sugary liquor. Uh-huh. She gets a top. Mm-hmm. Old eighteen does her does her duty by you. Yep. And then you're underneath. Yep. So do you toss her off and then run? I think I shimmied. Pull and roll. I pull and roll, <laughs> and tuck my legs away from between her and run out. And then um, did you say? I was like, I'll be back. I probably <laughs> maybe said something. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> and then I um. Was it good for you? Yeah. <laughs> Did you come? <laughs> That's another habit I had for a long time as a, as a teenager and maybe even into early 20s. Like, it took me a long time to get over being like, was that okay? What, I was, like, sex? so insecure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, see, th- we that talked okay? about that. Matt Goldich, who's a very, do you know Matt Goldich? Mm-mm. He's a funny guy. He, uh, he one time put it this way about comedians and sex. And look. I don't want to be one of those idiots. I was just talking to a friend. I'm just going to say a friend instead of Chelsea now. I was just talking to Chelsea about the idea of uh, of guys who are obsessed with making the girl come and how that ruins everything. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no in the moment. It's just like, I just got to ring that bell. <laughs> I want a point on the board. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, but... I know a lot of comedians that are obsessed with the per- – because we're performers. What mm-hmm. Matt Goldich said was, I've never done a show and been like, I liked it. Like, I was good. He wants the crowd to like it. Oh, yeah. So he's like, I always want my wife uh, – sorry, Matt, to out you as, a, <laughs> as the sexual deviant that you are. But he wants his wife to uh, enjoy it. That's not so devious. It's not so bad. It's actually kind of nice. I want my wife to come. <laughs> You're sick, Matt. <laughs> You're gross. One guy in the back. <laughs> But there is an element of that where I think a lot of comedians are probably – I don't think you're going to find too many comedians that are just like, I just got in there and I, got out. I got my jollies and I <laughs> – I, I sold my oats. Got my jollies and I had a Gatorade ready to go. <laughs> That's the snap click of twisting off a red Gatorade. <laughs> Sometimes when I smoke marijuana, the only thing in the world I want is a red a Gatorade. A red Gatorade? For, that is my weird – like something in my subconscious is like, That's where it's at. Isn't it weird that – 
You, you describe those by colors because you can't really attach a flavor. You're like, what is the flavor? Uh, yeah. Fruit punch just means everything. I'm like, oh, an icy purple one. <laughs> yeah. It, but it tastes exactly like purple. It tastes like purple. Although, like, ooh, it tastes like sweet perfume. <laughs> That's what I feel like tastes like. That's what uh, Don Draper's wife said about the sherbet. Huh? You watch Mad Men? I do. Remember they go to the Ho- Hojo? And she eats the sherbet and yeah. she goes, I don't like it. And then remember when we met her last night? We did meet her last night. She looks even better in person. Yes. What's her name? Um, I don't know. Megan. Her, name her name's Megan. Megan. We'll just call her Megan for Zuby now. Zoo. We'll call her Megan Draper. Zuby Zoo. Megan Draper. Yeah, she was she was very gorgeous. She was beautiful. I told my friend today that I met her and uh, she was like, oh, I think I saw her recently. Uh, but I couldn't tell if it was her because she was like uh, kind of like a soap girl. And I was like, "What is? What does that mean? What does that mean? It's it's like a girl who's pretty, but like without makeup, they're like very like beautiful, like that, like naturally beautiful." Oh, she did look really naturally. And I want to I want to take start using that term soap, soap girl. girl. A yeah. soap girl means that's a good thing. It means they look good when they're just soaped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird LA moment. I I'd like to think I'm pretty used to it. It didn't really shock me. I did want to get on all fours and start cleaning her table and just be like, you can't have Soap this. Soap me up. <laughs> You're a soap girl, aren't you? <laughs> uh, that was kind of fun. I'd like to send a sherbet to the lady outside. Gee, oh, my God. That would have been hilarious. The w- or the worst. Also the worst. Yeah. Uh, that was a fun night, though. This, this goes back to drinking. And you start – see, I, I saw on a billboard that said if you drink before the age of uh, 18 or something or 21, I don't know what age they use, you're, like, far more likely to be an alcoholic. But last night, I, I I haven't been drinking lately. And then we went to this uh, – and by that, I mean like I've been reasonably drinking yeah. occasionally. But also going days without drinking and stuff. And I know I sound like an alcoholic when I when people count days that you don't drink. You know yeah. what I mean? That's I, I mean, every, I feel like most people who drink have like a disclaimer. Nobody's a clear like, yeah, and I haven't been drinking. Uh, I only drink on Thursdays or whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I haven't been drinking for six months. I mean, I drank on Sunday, right. but before that, it was like right. three months. Right, right, right. Like, oh, I so. do that all the time where I'll get up in the morning, and if I don't drink, I always kind of feel good in the morning. I'm like, nice job, Pete. Nailed it. Didn't yeah. drink. Especially in this business where sometimes you're paid in drinks and there's just alcohol That's, everywhere. That is really hard. Yeah. It is kind of hard. It's kind of a fucked up thing, which is why so many of us, and I'm talking about comedians as a whole, are lost to the booze. So many fucking funny geniuses yeah. who just can't be in this environment. Lost to the sickness. It's just such a hard to to like accept the the balance because I feel like the rest of my life is so much. It feels so much better and so much more balanced when I'm not drinking. Yeah. But to kick it into overdrive and get wasted is yes. also so fun. So, it is so, so fun. fun. I, I had this thought last night. I was like, well, I'm glad I'm doing something kind of fucked up because I have therapy on Wednesday and I don't want to have nothing to talk <laughs> I about. I got nothing for you. I got nothing. How about your entire life until now? Uh, yeah, no. I had some wines at the restaurant. <laughs> well, that's what was weird. This, the, the other thing I was going to tell you, which I think is very bizarre, is sometimes I'll be like, good job, Pete. You didn't drink last night. And then I'll stop and go, what I mean is I didn't get drunk. But mm. I did, over the course of the night, have four cocktails. Oh, like, that's – most people, that's I'm suitable. guessing, have four cocktails and they're like, I was fucked up. I'm yes. a huge dude and it was over time and I, I to, consider that not drinking. That's I got so up. wasted in Austin trying to – because I forgot and I was like trying to match you. Oh, that's right. I remember We were that. having tequilas at this restaurant. yeah. Shots. You kept ordering shots. I'm like, oh, I forgot. Yes, I forgot. That was, but that 
was a fucking oh, so great fun. day of drinking. Yeah. But I didn't realize until I ran from a cop how drunk I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the size of my leg. Uh-huh. And we went to that uh, restaurant that my friend You have owns. a huge leg, by the way. 5'10". <laughs> I, I have one leg that's 5'10". You five are a tall ten. glass of water. You're built like a Barbie doll. And we were at South by Southwest. Yeah. And it was... Did I have a show that night? <laughs> yeah, because then we were backstage being so annoying, and I was meeting all these people that, like, you know, for me being younger in stand-up, it's like, oh, that's, uh, this is Todd Barry. Oh, here. right, right, right. And I was just dr- drunk, trying to keep it together, but trying to be funny with you at the same right, time. Right, In secret. Right, I remember. Also, but I, I think, see, I don't like to drink before shows, typically. Oh, I never drink before shows. It's a bad idea, I think. Uh, I've, I've said many times, if you're not Kyle, don't do it. <laughs> so the idea... Uh, because you're not as good as you think you are. These people that go up and they're and they're drunk and you're like, ah, and you're like, no. It's you- a weird disconnect where it's like in yeah. real life you're like, hey, me, three drinks in, Woo! yeah, yeah, yeah. But not on stage. I don't know. Right. I get so stuck in my head if I'm drinking. Yeah. when I'm up there, I understand that. And you hear your own voice and the slurring and the missteps yep. and all that stuff. Slurring is the Horrible. worst. I was slurring last oh. night, and you're like, if you wh- who said it? It's like if you think you're slurring a little bit, you're slurring a lot. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. If you're like, I think I'm slurring a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so we did that show, but I planned it, and this sounds like some alcoholic shit, but I'd like to get this out there. I planned it so that I would sober up by the time I did the show, and I did. I remember I had really good sets. I believe I did, right? You were there. Yeah, you had a good you Yeah, had a good sets. sets. It wasn't like drunken sets. I yeah. it started to like leave or my system. Or it was good drunken sets. Ooh. Festivals are kind of a little bit different yeah. for the rule yeah, of drinking yeah. and stuff. So. It's not really a rule. It's just an idea that drinking kind of makes you sloppy. But if you're at a festival, it's kind of fun to get sloppy mm-hmm. and do sets. Because I was doing like 30 shows in three days. It was terrible. Jeez. Not terrible, but I mean, it was a lot of shows. So 30? You, nope, not really. Oh, okay. probably, probably three a day. 500 shows a day! <laughs> Every time it delights me. Every time. I okay. So what happened was we drank wine. We went to this dinner. Yes. You, me, and last Duncan. Night. This is last night. Two glasses of wine in. Where I'm ordering books about the occult on my phone. <laughs> yes, we did that. Uh, What's it called? <laughs> It'll be at my house tomorrow. Yeah, you that's what that. I said. Because I think technology is amazing. You have the one-click Amazon thing, and it just comes. And then I had a couple glasses of wine, and then I was like, fuck it. Like, you just make that decision. You're like, we're going to do this. Because Duncan's the best. The wine makes the decision. Kind of. (laughs) And I hugged the waitress when I left. We didn't get drunk at dinner, but then we went to a bar, and that's when we got drunk. Somebody came to the later of the two shows that I did last night, and they said that they worked over there, and I was like, oh, do you know? The, I was talking about the waitress because the waitress over there was so yeah, nice Rachel. yesterday. Yeah. So it's funny that you went yeah. hugging her. Too. Yeah, it was okay. It was not It was not forced upon the her. Hug. Yeah, the hug, yeah, it was all right. We had a good rapport. She was great. And that was the first thing she said is she's like, I like you. And I was like, good. It's really important to me, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she was like, I hope you like me too. And I said, <laughs> do you have alcoholic parents? And then she said, I can't answer that. And Ooh. then I said, see you at Al-Anon. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. We all want to be loved. Oh. If I am an alcoholic. I was raped. <laughs> you were. Well. Kind of. There's some other stories. Who, somebody also tell. recently told me that if you have sex with a girl who's had two drinks, that's technically rape in some states or something because you drugged them. Do I have to respond to everything we, you say? <laughs> yes. You're, <laughs> you, I mean, when I heard that statistic. That's a weird, that's a weird one. Well, how do you feel about that? Mm, that's I, a weird one. Uh, are you and, accusing me of something? Well, if that's the standard, everyone I know is a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have never not raped somebody. I'm so, look, there's nothing funny about rape, but that is an absurd uh, law. That's a, a rough rule. Do they have to be alcoholic drinks? <laughs> Chris, I can't see your funny mugging face. That would that would. Have been I great. made a face that acknowledged that that was a horrible thing. It was a stupid best, thing it was to the say. Best face. If I am an alcoholic, I'm the least fun kind because I. Really? Uh, I don't. I don't get blackout. I don't do anything ridiculous. I'm more. You think about that's like, the fun kind? I guess that's or like blacked out. The excitement. Uh, what do I mean? Dramatic. Mm. You know, if you think you get about, dramatic, you think you get dramatic. No, no, no. I'm saying that guy is dramatic. Okay. I'm saying the traditional. This guy's got to clean up his act. Is the guy. You know, like Robin Williams said, wakes up on his car with his keys in his ass, sort of <laughs> thing. And I don't do that. I don't. I don't get out of control and stuff. But what I want to talk about with you and alcohol, and I know you have thoughts on this. Is this weird, unglamorous, not even glamorous, not big, little, but alcohol dependency? I'd love to not drink. Yeah. That would be great. But I also love being like this boisterous guy that's buying you shots at two yeah. in the afternoon. And that's just a contradiction. Because, like we were saying, life is a lot better when it you're feel, like. I feel so much more balanced. Yeah. So much. Because the, the problem with the drinking is like, the drinking itself is so fun. There's not that much of a problem during the period of drinking and being right, drunk. Right, right. Uh, the problem comes, like, the next day when I sort of go through the files in my mind of last night and try to find things to cling to to make myself feel guilty about. Even things that, that wouldn't too. matter to other people where yeah. I'm like, oh, I said this thing to this person that yes. they probably didn't even notice. Right. Oh, it's so humiliating. And my guts are yeah. getting twisted up inside. Yeah. And I'm just miserable. Yeah. And it's like almost every time is like that. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's sad is what I used to do that a lot. So you too. gotta drink alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is another thing. I that is a tempting thing for me. I used to have a, uh, a I used to have a drink. I used to have a joke where I say I like to drink alone, less people to apologize to, mm. right? And yeah. I and I meant it yeah, because yeah. I couldn't handle. That I get drunk and then say things like, Chris, you look like the sun. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then the next day I'm like, did I tell Chris he looked like the sun? And then I'm texting you, sorry, you look like the sun. Yeah, And, that's and a, then you're like, what are you talking about? It's those kinds of things, though. It's like, why do I feel bad about it? You pay like, this huge price for it. Yeah. So the idea, uh, you know, in my family, the idea of drinking and watching a movie by yourself seemed, and I'm, not, I'm talking about the whole, we have alcoholics everywhere in my mm -hmm. family, seemed like a pretty good idea. And I, I just told that to my therapist. I was like, look, I'm not proud of that, but that is something I want to do all the time. Drink alone. Drink alone and watch a movie. I'm not, huh. I'm not saying I do it, but it's in there. The, the temptation is there. Uh -huh. And I know the, the case to be made for drinking alone. It's fucked up. It, it, it's a taboo, I, and everybody hates it. Here's the case. You want to hear the case? One, you got to have some vice, right? That, isn't that a fucking stupid argument? But you're like, well, I gotta have some, something that's fucked up about me. That's something you could say. Two, nobody knows, really. Mm. Uh, th so it's like kind of victimless, except for yourself. Uh -huh. And then, But then you're like, what am I fucking doing? You wake up the next day and you just feel there's like cashews on the couch. And you're like, I guess I got drunk and ate cashews last night. And even with the times that you go out and have to apologize, there are like fun parts to counterbalance that. Right. At least. Whereas at home, right. you're just Memories. like, oh, I feel like shit and I ate all my food. Yeah, yeah, just mistake. Yeah, but uh, so what is your? I, I know you're kind of conflicted with alcohol. So you say your life is more balanced when you're not doing it, and I agree. Definitely. I, I'm. I feel like I'm always in a period of either I'm taking a break or I'm on a bender of some kind. You know, right? Because uh, I can't really drink in moderation, and I wouldn't say that it's like 
feels like alcoholism necessarily. Again, with the disclaimer. Yeah, we all have to disclaim. That's what alcoholism. Yeah, but uh, it's I I feel like I just binge drink. Yeah, like I can go and not drink at all, or if I'm going to drink, then I need like all of the drinks. I wonder what if there is a positive side to it. Not the drinking, but the psychology of it, where it's like we're just extreme people. I'm kind of like a. I want clocks to tell time. You know what I mean? And if we're going to drink, let's drink. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And then if I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to drink. So for the past couple of weeks, yeah. except for last night, I just wasn't drinking. I have two modes. Either I'm drinking and I'm jolly Pete and I'm like, let's have shots. Yeah. Everybody do a shot on me. Like That's what I did last night. Or I'm completely sober and actually kind of judging people who are drinking. I'll be sitting there and I'm like having wine before the show. That's kind of stupid. Yeah. What is this? It, what it, am I, a werewolf? I feel like there's a uh, a a hump to get over when you're ta- like if you're taking a break or if you're not drinking. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's it's other other people's uh sort of weird thing with them too. Where at first it's like hard to be out around other people who are drinking. Just in my experience. Um, and then eventually you. <laughs> And I was am trying to figure out how to talk about this on stage too, but like, you either uh, get rid of the f- like kind of fucked up things that you do when you're drunk, or the the, the way that you act when you're like crazy, mm-hmm. or you become okay doing those things when you're sober. Right, that's interesting. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and then you're just like, let's go be crazy. Right, right, sober, right. totally right. sober. And then you're like, you can just power on and be. And then, and then you don't even have the excuse though that you're like, I was so fucked up. Well, you're actually, like- there's almost a certain. Uh, pride to it because you're like i'm sober and i'm having this much fun and you get more high off of that that works yeah i would feel like i'd be like i'm sober and i'm an idiot no i'm just like i'm nuts right now this is so fun and i can't believe i'm doing this sober yeah tricky yeah but sometimes with other people though if you're not drinking i've had people that like apologized you know i feel like a lot of people have ambivalence about it yeah they're like sorry i'm so drunk i'm like i don't care yeah that's one of the things that makes it hard to to be around people who are drinking them yeah well it's funny that you say that because when i was at bridgetown uh we were drinking too much of course because it was another festival yeah and i don't even mean drunk i just mean like that consistent slippery oh yeah day drunk like always drinking something yeah yeah bring me it's not even necessary it's not necessary you're just like we're here you know we that. deserve it. <laughs> this is our vacation yeah. from a job that doesn't require a vacation. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then I would stop drinking and I would take breaks. And then I'd be at these uh, parties and stuff. And that's a big deterrent to stop drinking because you see how everybody's acting. Guy with the lampshade like, on his head. You're like, oh. Yeah. And it, you just talk uh, talking too close. I listen to your show. Yeah. I don't want to be weird about, oh, that's the memory of your show. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, wait, I must be like that. <laughs> you just made it weird. I can't be he the threw one. up on you. <laughs> I can't I be the one everybody. guy. <laughs> it was great. I can't be the one guy who is awesome when he's drunk. I must be also like those idiots. Yeah. I mean, we all take turns. But then it st- takes all kinds. That's what I like to say to be dismissive now. But then, hey, it takes all kinds. I'm interested in the guilt. The guilt of you coming and being like, I'm going to get myself pregnant. And then the guilt of drinking and then wanting to apologize to everybody and make everybody okay. And I'm interested in your obsession with making the girl come when you sex. Because these all are ingredients that I share and we're both yeah. comedians. Uh, the, I think those that's what a comedian is made up of some of the time. I don't know. Guilt, I feel like, is a huge motivator in my life. Yes. And I don't really understand where it comes from. It's I used, so I used smart. to see that's right. a therapist for a little while. Yep. I told him that it wasn't the drinking that I wanted to get rid of. It was the guilt that comes with it that yeah. I wanted to get rid of. That's, that's right. You kind of do... 
I woke up. I'd like to say this. I woke up and I wasn't like, Pete, you fucked up. Like, I don't, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. I woke up and I was like, that happened. Yeah. And I'm proud of that. I'm not proud that I drank too much last night, but I am proud that I had fun with my friends and stuff and I try and focus on that and I don't worry about the stuff. But guilt being a motivator, yeah. that's one of the fuels you can run it on. That's absolutely true. I think I'm like addicted to it. Honestly, the yeah. feeling of anxiety and the, I don't know, that tension yes. in the chest, it just feels like, okay, something's happening. Yeah. There's like something needs to, Buddy, to break here. I can't believe this hasn't come up on the show before because I, I have so many thoughts on this. You're absolutely right. I, when I was super Christian, thought I was addicted to pornography. Mm-hmm. What that looked like was a man who barely looked at pornography, <laughs> right? But when I did the shame cocktail, it was, it was about masturbating, absolutely, and you'd come. But it, then it was the ritual. I, a therapist helped me realize this. It was the whole thing. It was the masturbating, but then it was the shame, the jacuzzi jets of regret that just filled my body with heat and sadness. And then I, I, I had to, like, cleanse myself, like, get rid of the evidence, deleting the history, mm-hmm. uh, showering, whatever it was. And then, it was, and then I realized it wasn't the pornography. It was the whole thing, being addicted yeah. to anxiety, being addicted to guilt, Wanting those things because, and I think you can relate to this, if I'm feeling bad about something, Mm -hmm. if I'm hungover or I did something bad or I offended somebody, I'm funnier, I'm more attentive because I need something. I need forgiveness. I'm needy. I'm not complete. I'm broken. Today, I'm a little bit hungover. I need help today. (laughs) So I will be funnier, more attentive, more involved, more present. And it's not the drinking, it's all of it. I think that's what what we're talking about. I think that um, I... I, uh... Well, I did a show once where they were like, "If you," it was like an interview show, and they're like, "If you could have any superhero, what would it be?" And I was like, "The inability to feel guilt." Ha! And the audience, I think, I really identified with that. But it's like, I, I don't know. I feel like I identify so much, or I have in the past. I'm kind of like stepping away from it, but it's kind of scary because, um, just kind of regret and and almost like negativity and guilt and stuff is something that I've been so identified with in the past. In that, your life or in yeah, your comedy? Or? It, well, both because I was like, you know, tr- funny before I did stand-up. Right. So uh, stepping away from that is, is almost kind of scary because I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? I feel like I still need some, like you were saying about need, you need some kind of advice or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, I, I feel like I'm in the market for a, just a healthier addiction. Yeah. Or something. Well, it's interesting. Letterman didn't want to go to therapy because he would always say famously, he was like, that. I'd be less funny. I don't want to get buff because I think I'd be less funny. <laughs> That's absolutely true. I, I bet I would be, you know, having just lost <coughs> weight. I was actually kind of not really worried. <laughs> having just uh, <coughs> lost weight. <laughs> but it's true. Fat guys are funnier. It's funnier to be fat. Fat is funny. You're like, look at me. I jiggle. That's funny. <laughs> Even the word jiggle is funny. Like, if you don't like the joke, just picture me with my shirt off and like, <laughs> oh, moving in slow motion, being hit with a cannonball, maybe. <laughs> Let me move this mic stand so you can see me. <laughs> Although very thin, you're very thin is also funny. I am. Any sort of extreme, I think, is going to be good. But if either of us were Ex- just like... Except for extremely attractive and muscular. Yeah. You know, if a, if a comedian gets on stage and he's just gorgeous, it's different for a guy for some reason. If a girl gets on stage and she's gorgeous, I'm just like, what? how fun. <laughs> no, let's hear her out. <laughs> Give her a chance, everybody. <laughs> But if a guy gets on stage... All the other guys are like, well, we weren't going to say anything. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, we agreed. If a guy gets on stage and he's just chiseled fucking uh, 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 chin that you could draw a right angle with. (laughs) I need to draw a right angle. Put your face on this paper. Dick Tracy. 
Uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> we got it. Okay. I don't know if this is such a filthy show anyway. I guess we're just filthy together. Yeah. I was we were just being I didn't go to college. We were what's my Dicks. excuse? I went to Christian college <laughs> and here this comes. They're the opposite. That's well, like the same. Thing. That was in the prior thing. I don't know. But no, we, we were going to IKEA and you saw a lady with tattoos and <laughs> No, I didn't say this. But <laughs> pre- no, pre- I, pre- no, I didn't say this. I know what you're gonna say. I, I didn't said, say this. I wanna I wanna put a tattoo on my dick on the walls of your pussy. And then I said... There's no way I said that. <laughs> you said but that? I mean, maybe I said <laughs> I want to put a tattoo of my dick on the wall of your pussy. Look, I'm not here to say that men then, aren't the worst. And then I said, the worst. I said, you could trace it. They, no, call, they call me Dick Tracy. Is that? And, I, and what did I say? No, I said laser accuracy. Oh, okay. Jesus, doesn't that mean One anything? One of the two catchphrases, laser accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> I did both. Uh, yeah. I did both. Laser accuracy, I thought that was uh, important. Uh, laser accuracy. <laughs> it, was, it was unbelievable. I do like uh this actually goes back to the guilt and the shame stuff. Mm-hmm. Tattoo girls. I'm actually I'm doing a pretty good job bringing this back <laughs> without any effort yeah. because I like uh bad girls sometimes. Not all the time. I'm not exclusively bad girls, but girls that have like tattoos, I think that's very uh, sexy. Huh? I feel like I because don't have lo- much it, of an association to. But I think you would because it's like, look, I'm not guilty. Mm-hmm. A tattoo is like, I did this and I don't have regret, and I want you to see it. It's I like a permanent. To me, it's, drunk al- night it's out. almost boring. Is that right? In a sense, yeah, because it's like I- I've just growing up and like being into like punk rock and stuff like that yeah. you know and just going to shows my whole teen like adolescence and stuff mm-hmm. it's like that's so many people that i know where i'm just like yeah i get it you have a tattoo of a peacock feather ha! everybody does i don't yeah. know why and why i guess also there's, there's you, you don't have about, any tattoos right? no but there's something about the salty sweet of of, of of a woman and i think women are sweet so. why don't you have any tattoos uh, because I have like birthmarks and freckles and stuff. It, I, I used to say my apartment came pre-furnished. <laughs> my back looks like the night sky. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a starry night. I don't. Is that gross? It I, is. It, that is gross. People hate. Can that. we edit that out? <laughs> Katie, can we edit that? Out? Katie, no. Oh. <laughs> uh, I've thought about getting a tattoo, and if I did, oh, here we go. This is good. Is it? Yeah, go ahead. Am I interrupting it'll, you? No, no, it'll be interesting. I'm not being condescending. If I, no, I didn't think you were. <laughs> Rolling my eyes. Your fucking face, man. <laughs> you have the funniest face. I swear to God, this should be a TV show. Uh, would be uh, the same tattoo as uh, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes before the movie came out. Uh, see, these are things you're not going to get. G.I. Joe. Okay. The, the ninjas have this tattoo on, their, on the front of their forearm. It's uh-huh. red. And it's borderless. Okay? So it's like a line, and then it's two lines, a line, and then two lines. It looks like a Tao symbol, basically, uh-huh. a Chinese symbol, I guess. And the, here's a couple problems with that. One, I'm not a tattoo guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, people would just be like, what? Wash that off. And I'd be like, it's real. <laughs> two, it's borderless. So I actually talked to a tattoo guy about it, and he was like, you'd have to put... Uh, black around it yeah, or, or it'll over bleed. time it'll bleed yeah. and I was like but Storm Shadows doesn't <laughs> well he's uh, made of plastic yeah and then three the movie ruined it the movie would it would I, I thought it was very funny to have the same tattoo as a toy uh-huh. that I played with hmm. and I'd be like I have this I got this from this toy that I played with now I have it oh and also uh, four I saw someone with that symbol on their back and it was right after I got divorced and I said oh my god that's the Storm Shadow thing and they didn't even know that oh. and they but then they oh. said 
uh, I like it because of what it means. And I said, uh. what does it mean? And she said, it means for every end, every ending is a new beginning. So that was significant. And then I was like, oh, my God, now I have to get it. Why don't you marry her? Well, we fucked. I wish I was that guy. Scoop. I'm not that guy. Um. You know what we did instead of fucking? Just went on living our lives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get a tattoo because I'm uh, just too afraid of commitment. Yeah, I think. I think that th- th- there's. Some... I think not having a tattoo is a tattoo that is a testament to that. <laughs> you mean like no tattoo is like, your tattoo? This is my tattoo of, yeah. of commitment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it <laughs> an commi- ink-free body? I I said my my ex-wife wanted to get a tattoo, and I said to her, and I, I wonder if she did. Isn't that weird? I'll probably never know. It's like a little bittersweet moment. I'll probably never know if she yeah, ever made a breakthrough. got that tattoo. Yeah, can you leave for a minute? <laughs> Just gonna, I'm going to drink alone and watch this movie. Uh, no, she wanted to get a, a tattoo. Why did I bring that up? Oh, and I was like, there are certain shirts, T-shirts that I'll wear when I'm like, I'm rock and roll. I'm going to wear this shirt I because that. I feel like, you know what I mean? I'm like, this is like my That's tattoo That's the thing where shirt. I agree with you and I don't want to admit that I agree with right? you. Right? Yeah. Yeah, good. Where, like, you good. don't want to... Th- think that you're trying to portray a certain image or something. But you are. You are. I'm putting it on. I'm like, this is one of my cool shirts. I'm going to wear it to a party. Yeah. I hope people comment on it. I had this shirt that I felt like was my party shirt for a while. Yeah. And I just felt like such a cheese ball. Uh, every shirt. First of all, just to bring that Every back. shirt's a party shirt when you're hanging <laughs> with Pete Holmes. Shot, 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 shots. Or yoga. <laughs> one or the other. Meditation class. Huge contradiction person. Mm-hmm. We're, I'm taking you to my meditation class after this. It's going to be the best. I've never meditated. We're going to do it. So what the fuck is happening? I think that's why we're artists. I think that's what the human condition is about. One hand, I'm fucking getting drunk and being stupid. And the next day, I'm taking a meditation class. We just have to dance. It's a dance. Let's just dance. Let's dance. First of all, I said to my ex, I was like, there's no T-shirt that I want to wear every day. You know what I mean? Because I wake up some days, I'm like, I'm going to wear a plain black T-shirt because I'm feeling kind of like, what's that? Morrissey. I'm Mm -hmm. feeling like Morrissey Mm -hmm. today. Or I'm going to like wear uh, my fatty crab yellow T-shirt written in red and just be like, fuck yeah. I look like I'm in an Asian gang. You know what I mean? Just like really owning it. Got a lot of shirts. Uh, Yeah. You got a lot of moods that I didn't even consider. But then she said... The point is, uh, having a tattoo is on days when you don't feel like having the tattoo, you look at the tattoo and it reminds you that you're still that person that has the tattoo. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like a shirt you can't take off. So it should inspire you and be like, I am the guy with the Storm Shadow tattoo every day. I always was afraid that a tragic irony would befall me that would relate to my tattoo. And then people Uh, would laugh at me after I was dead. Like with me, I would be killed by a ninja. (laughs) And they'd be like, well, he had that ninja tattoo. And they thought he was in their rival ninja gang. Second Asian gang reference in, what, 20 seconds? Yes, 20 seconds. I did... (laughs) What were you going to say? Uh, just that I wanted dumb tattoos when I was like a teenager, I think I thought about it. Yeah. Uh, they, like Bukowski quotes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. And then I was like, well, what if I just get an STD and die from that? And then people would be uh, like, ah! Did he die from an STD? No. But like, just yeah. a tattoo that was like, without women. Or, you know what I mean? Yeah, Something I understand. Like that. What's a Bukowski quote that you like? Ah, fuck. I can't even remember. I think that's impressive. I, I was really into Charles Bukowski when I was like 16, which is a really warped... And it's when you were getting it wet for the first time. I love being filthy. Both my whistle I, and my dork. <laughs> That's right. Your whistle. Learning from the old man. You're chugging your kiwi lime <laughs> fucking Bacardi breezer. Yep. 
and your little adolescent penis mm-hmm. was going into it was spelunking <laughs> in illegal caves. I think that that's a Bukowski quote, actually. <laughs> L.A. I love L.A. <laughs> I love L.A. <laughs> oh, going back to the uh, fascinating topic of shirts. Every- <laughs> I wasn't done with shirts. By the way, Pete's wearing a green eggs and ham shirt. Can I tell you something? What's your mood? Uh, comfort. This is my most comfortable shirt. Okay. It's a good color. Uh, it's a heather blue, everyone. It is. It's it, a faded. It's supposed to look vintage. Exactly. Okay. And let me tell you something embarrassing about this shirt. I've been given this shirt, this shirt that I'm wearing, I have two of them, twice by separate people as a gift. Mm-hmm. So this shirt is what people think of me. <laughs> Green eggs and ham, fake vintage, uh-huh. fake nostalgia, or nostalgia, sold at Target, piece of shit. That's Pete. Let's give it to him twice. Can I tell you the worst shirt that I ever got? Yes. Okay. When I was... um, What am I not hoping this shirt topic goes somewhere good? 11 or 12 years old. (laughs) Ah. um, I got a shirt for Christmas uh, (laughs) in front of my whole family. Uh, It was a shirt, uh, a big white t-shirt. And on the front, there was just a small... It was like a... a cartoon of of like a, a little kid, but he kind of looked like a, a little older. I don't really know how to explain this. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Uh-huh. Um, and it was like a guy, and he was he was trying to suffocate this rooster. <laughs> and it was like, don't choke the chicken. And on the back, it was like the same guy, but he had like a walking stick and glasses on. And it was like, you'll go blind. <laughs> that my grandma got me that shirt <laughs> for Christmas. And I had to open it up in front of my whole family. Oh, my God. And then I had to be like, do you have the receipt? Ah. I will never wear this. Really? Mm-hmm. I wish you still had it. I bet you'd wear it, <laughs> it now. It would fit. It would still fit. Ah, Sadly, Not too much fit. growing. No. That is hilarious. Oh, so embarrassing. What did your, was your family not hip to that sort of joke? No, they all got it. That's why it was horrible. I, not hip, but I guess were they okay with it? Oh, yeah. They didn't care. They didn't care. No, no. My mother would have been like, this is inappropriate. Oh, yeah. Like, no, I, they were like... They were okay. They're like, nah. You're reminding me of another thing I haven't thought about in a while. Hope is, it's not a shirt. It's not a shirt, <laughs> but it's the, the feeling of opening a terrible gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, please. Load it and cock it, because okay. this is a short story. Okay, okay. Uh, I'll just never forget. It was like some Christmas or something, mm-hmm. and this is again my ex-wife, and my mom gave her a bracelet, this gold bracelet, and upon closer inspection, it said WWJD on Ooh. it. She gave my uh-huh. like a gro- like like that's like a teen, you know, Jesus, uh, yeah. uh, Jesus freak, you know, like DC talk, Jesus freak yeah. sort of style. It was really obvious that everyone hated it, and, and my mom was like pretty embarrassed that's good yeah at least she knew (laughs) she was embarrassed Uh, fucking what would jesus do gold at least she had self-awareness enough to be embarrassed but it's weird that she thought that it would just be fine yeah just rocking the wwjd because she wasn't a religious person you're right my my wife my wife wife. (laughs) i call those jokes mcrib you know that did i say that on the show before yeah to you on the show now the mcrib is a mcrib I've said that on the show before. You've said it on the show. This before. show? I believe. Yeah. I Are think you so. sure I didn't say that to you in life? Yeah. I Katie, think I've said, said McRib before. Probably. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. You've you heard have. me say McRib before. Fuck. Am I the worst? Mm. I'm getting there. <laughs> You're towing the line into badness. <laughs> My wife. It's okay. a McRib. All right, because it's back. So the gift I got. I tweeted that. Maybe you saw it on my Twitter. You, I was there when you tweet. I think maybe when you tweeted it also. <laughs> God, why do you hang out with me? Uh, <laughs> okay, I just me. like to hear jokes in triplicate. 
If you miss a Pete Holmes joke, just wait five minutes. <laughs> I'm a notary public. Uh, and I'll stamp all the jokes once I get them in <laughs> Okay, please tell me your worst shirt present. Not a shirt, but uh, the only, okay, I never, as a kid, snuck into any of my presents. And when I was 18 years old and I left my parents' house, like yes. moved out, was like, fuck you, mom and dad. I'm moving in with Nana and Grandpa. <laughs> so I left El Paso and I moved to... So I can not go on vacation with them. <laughs> yeah, because they don't go on vacation. <laughs> Their bodies are crumbling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I moved to Redlands, which is like 70 miles east of here, and it's just sad and meth and, you know. Uh-huh. But, uh, it's, so a, was, it's, uh, a, it's a real meth. Yeah, it's oh. a real meth out there. <laughs> Remember we saw that rug yesterday that was made of old saris, and I was like, "You know, you sure you want that sorry old rug?" <laughs> and remember when it was seven thousand dollars? It was. I was like, "This is great. How, how much is it?" Oh, let's go to IKEA. And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> "We went to a rug store." And, and I was out. like, "This one's great." And he goes, "I go, how much is it?" He goes, "It's uh, sixty-five hundred." And I'm like. I, I didn't even try to be like, oh, let me go in my locomotive and get the bullion. I've only got five. <laughs> then he said, back. give me a budget. And I was like, I don't know, a couple hundred? Yeah. How about a tenth of that? And then they took us into a, a horrible... They cut you a tenth of the rug? Yeah. Uh, oh, a washcloth. It's one, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then they took us into the saddest back room, like the, the island of lost carpets. The way, where they didn't even know how to get up to where you... They couldn't, because all the... All the Carpets are like in these weird bunk beds. Yeah, they're and they're like, like, the price range is up there. I think the couple hundred dollar ones is up there, and it was so sad, and they rolled the it out. The last guy who went up there died. <laughs> they found the bones of an old employee. It's like Goonies or something. You had a lot of good <laughs> carpet beds. You were like, I want a carpet, but it's like for my body when I get out of the shower, <laughs> yeah. and I can dry myself. Oh, you mean a towel? <laughs> no. Oh, like a, oh, I was saying, I, I want like a... Like a rug for my bed that covers my body. Yeah. Oh, you mean a sheet? Mm, no, like a rug. But a very thin rug. Very thin rug. You know, like a sheet. I also want like a little rug for my face for when I'm washing. Like a towel. You know, like a towel. Oh, you mean like a washcloth? Yeah. No, not quite. You and the character betrayed himself knowing what a towel was, which I thought was very funny. And then you were like, oh, you mean a towel? Uh, oh, so you know what a towel is. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I he just ignores it. So what were you? Saying? Okay, so the gift I got, I yeah. I moved in with my grandparents, and I thought I was gonna like save money and move to LA at that point. But anyway, I was working this terrible job at a grocery store, and I had to I had the shittiest shifts because I was the newest person. So my grandparents were gone to be with family on Christmas, and I, so I was home alone on Christmas, and it was like my first year as like mm. as an adult or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was really sad. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, I, I owe it to myself to at least check out my presents. I had never snuck into them as a kid, ever. Uh-huh. And so I was like, I'm going to be stealth about this. Yeah. And I got like a razor blade out and everything. I got tape that matched the original tape that was on the presents. <laughs> you unwrapped the present is tape. <laughs> oh, I wish it had been tape. I wish it had been tape. I was riding a bike to work at this point. Yeah. So anyway, I open this this pa- I'm like very careful about yep. opening it. I get it open. I look at the package and it says that it's a a bicycle cover and then in the picture <laughs> it it's a it's a bike that's covered with a bag and the bag has candy canes on it, which means that it's a bag that you get for somebody and you put it over a bike when you get them a bike as a gift. But they didn't get me a bike. They just got me the bag that goes over the bike. 
Oh my god. <laughs> they and got then, you a bike pack? And then I had to tape it back up. That's like they didn't get you a Lexus, they got you a huge put bow. It, put it back under the tree and then wait for them to come home and go, I wonder what this is going to be. Oh, a bike pack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh my lord. That was the worst. You had to feign I had excitement. To a bike bag. For a bike bag. Yeah, and slippers. My father always said the same thing when he opened a present. He'd go, just exactly what I want. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Blank. Like, say what the gift is. Just exactly what I wanted. Do you ever it's, feel it's like they're excited bit. about what... Your well, parents are excited about what you give them? I feel like I, my parents no, my will never be happy enough to please me about what I got them. Wait. They'll never be happy... Oh, you want... The, I want them to be... See, this is the ingredients of the comedian. You want the girl to come, all these different things. You want I want parents. my parents to come. <laughs> Every Christmas. <laughs> on a milk them dry. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you, you get disappointed. See, actually, that actually goes a little bit back to anxiety. My family can't be bothered. It's, there's too many variables with giving a gift. Do they like it? Do I like it? Uh, that is part did of it. I over, do I like it? Do I, did I overshoot it? Uh, how do they react? And it's like a burden. You get them a gift, and try, then they're like... I try to get my parents, like, the hip version of what they would like. Really? And then they're like, what's this? And you're like, ah, mm. fuck. We don't really... It's my dad's birthday today. I didn't even send him a card. And I'm not a bad son. I'm, I'm a great son. Well, you'll hear this episode as soon as it comes out. Know that you were thinking about ah, it. I called him. That's what we do. You oh, call. You, you call. call. You call and say hello. I send my mom flowers, but dad, you don't get dad's flowers. Mm. That would be a weird move. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. Get my dad like an oily rag. <laughs> be like, let's be men together. Exactly what I wanted. What That's the one thing you finally hit the nail on. Oh my God, Pete. <laughs> I finally love you. You're making me think of like uh, my dad is an action star. There's a gift, and it, we understand that he always says that. And then he opens it, and it's a gun with a silencer. Then a burglar comes in, and he shoots him, and he goes, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> I like to think that a single tear comes out of his eye at some point, too. Ah! You mean when he opens the oily rag? Oh, as when he, he shoots. Like, as he's shooting the guy. <laughs> you see a slow motion of his face. He's, like, jolted by the aftershock of the gun, but a tear is trickling out of his eye as well kind of delightful yeah because he had a connection to the person <laughs> or because he loves the gun yeah so he much. loves the gun so much and he finally gets to use it of course perfect timing <laughs> <laughs> smash cut two i don't know that happening i don't know what the credits that's, that's a real thing <laughs> the credits so let's talk about uh your your people uh i love having people that are newer into comedy and let's talk about what that's like for you because it's never the same mm-hmm when I started, when I started, back in my day, <laughs> you know, I was back I, in the early 2000s in the pre 9 11 comedy scene of the true. Eastern Seaboard. 9 11 had, a, I think, a lot to do with uh, kind of shocking the scene at this really weird time. Uh, certainly, it, it's not, it was a terrible, terrible thing. I don't I'll go on the record saying 9 11 was terrible. And it, eh. it, it kind of like made everybody that. <laughs> <laughs> It made everybody that was doing comedy in Chicago at the time that I knew, it really shook us up and kind of made everything more urgent because we were reminded of our mortality Mm -hmm. a uh, a little bit, probably a lot. And everything just seemed more volatile and scary. The whole world, the sky was falling, basically. And then every show we did seemed like we were like, not that we thought we were going to die. But But that it was for the troops. (laughs) (laughs) No troops yet. This is right after. I remember... 9 11 was a Tuesday, and then, and then the next Monday was the big open mic, and that was like a big 
That was a big. It, it happened. <laughs> it's we, just funny to think. Yeah, I remember there was nine eleven and and there was that big open mic. <laughs> <laughs> but it was. And big. then I found out, you know, I didn't have a very good set, and that open mic was actually my nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. There was a guy, uh, C.J. Sullivan. We were trying, like SNL coming back on the air, like The Daily Show, all these shows trying to, like Letterman yeah. leading the charge, trying to figure out how to be funny again after 9-11. So was it happening on a small scale at this open mic that everybody would go to? And I remember uh, eventually, like, we, some people actually had funny bits about 9-11, not at the expense of anybody, yeah. but it was like C.J. Uh, Sullivan had this great bit, a Chicago guy, about, like, how everybody was like, oh, you saw it on TV and you didn't think it was real? That's everybody. Like, yeah. making fun of people's yeah, stories. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's done it. People are figuring it out, how to find humor. But I think that injected a little bit of urgency into the scene. So tell me what it was like for you starting. Where did you start? I started in San Francisco. I've been, li- I've been living in San Francisco a little bit longer than I've been doing stand-up. And uh, I <clears throat> started when I, just after my 22nd birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I... Well, no, I know for a fact. I was under the impression that maybe I had an STD and then I I was like well there goes that hobby and uh <laughs> and I had been wanting to do stand up for like for years why did you think you had an STD I thought my dick looked different and uh <laughs> you ever just look at your dick and you're like what's up buddy and then I went to the doctor and they were like nope and I'm like really this doesn't look strange to you and they go no and I go I honestly said no I said well, good to know I just have an ugly penis. <laughs> no laugh from the doctor. <laughs> He's like, you know I'm a volunteer, right? You didn't even donate to us. Uh, Come on, I'm trying some stuff out. <laughs> I'm paying you in comedy. Trying stuff out's what got you here in the first place. <laughs> um, so you thought you had an STD. Yeah, and then I started doing comedy, and then I got... What does that have to do with the other? Because it's interesting. Because I was just like a... I was a pussy hound. No, I... Uh, <laughs> oh, you mean it. You were like, I'm going to school it on the sex, and yeah, I'm going to start doing... That's really... I was like, just had no... Di- I had no direction at all. But I mean, it was... As much as I worry about what to do in life now, yeah. there was not even stand-up to anchor me before. And so it was just like... Rudderless. A constant, this circular stream of like working, saving, traveling, and then not knowing where to go and settling for someplace and getting another shitty job and yeah. and, and like, yeah, trying to like meet girls and, I don't know, make people like me but not like stick around for them. It's like you were doing stand-up but just one date at a time. <laughs> Pretty much. Trying to, like, you had audiences of one, and then you'd have sex with them. Yeah. Single drop? A single drop. Will we'll you? get to that later. Okay. Um, you got to tell the single drop story. Oh but, uh, so yeah, I started doing stand-up, and then I was so far into it that when I found out that my wiener was fine, I was like, well, it's too late. I'm, in, is, I'm in it to win it. That is the most interesting and bizarre <laughs> beginning stand-up story I've ever heard. <laughs> you thought you had I just STD. I got incredibly... Like depressed because yeah. I thought that that might be the case. Yes, I mean not like it takes you that long but to find is, out yes or no. But, but this is like, interesting. Uh, this no. is what we were talking about. This is guilt. This is anxiety, and that became a fuel. It did fuel me because I wanted to do it for like three years before yes. I bought. The, I bought the comedy bible and all that uh-huh. stuff. I read that. I was that. trying to get a, have my friend be a comedy buddy and yeah, and it just never took. I tried off. to have a comedy buddy years. Yeah, like th- I lived in San Francisco years before that and would go to open mics and think like like at a a laundromat mm-hmm. and be like oh someday I, i'm gonna be up on that big stage mm-hmm. to where now i'm like oh i never want to go there you know? yeah 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 no offense to that open mic. no i but, understand uh, 
But it, the, it's interesting to me that, like, there's a parallel here is the idea that when I'm anxious about something or guilty about something, and you have both, you're anxious that you have an STD, and you probably feel pretty guilty about being stupid and getting it. Yeah. And then, and then the anxiety. And I don't have an STD. By when, when I, and your dick isn't ugly. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I have a beautiful penis. <laughs> you didn't say that one. That one was a bit. You have an ugly dick. I have an ugly dick. Never seen your dick. I've been raped. Can I see your dick? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was it? What was I saying? Oh, so if I am anxious about something. And guilty about something, I need to perform. Mm-hmm. I need to have strangers laugh and, and validate me. Yeah. And, and I'm not proud of that. And it's I'd, like, I'd I, like to move away from that and validate myself. But the truth is, I feel that motivation. I feel better about everything when I do stand up. Yeah. Well, I feel like, do you talk about the thing that you feel bad about? Or sometimes? Yes. I, th- I know I've said this on the show before, but if it's, I say it's something... It's absolution. Yes. The, la- you- the audience's laughter absolves you of whatever sin exactly. that you're confessing to them. It's like Catholic confession style. That's what it is. I'll say something that I've done, or more importantly, that I thought and mm-hmm. I felt bad about. And people are like, that's And okay. they laugh. Ah, that's and okay. that's what the show is. Yeah. We talk about all these weird things on the show, and I hope the listeners go, I do that too. Yeah. I feel that way too, and I'm. I hope we're validating them, and then them liking the show or listening to the show is a way of being like, "Oh, we like you too. You're not a freak." Yeah. Because I think there's a weird part of all humans somewhere inside of you is this idiot, this idiot <laughs> child that thinks love is going to be taken away from you swiftly, mm-hmm. and you don't deserve anything. You don't deserve friends, heat, comfort, food, sex. And it's going to be taken from you when it's revealed what a fucking weirdo you are, what a fucking freak you are. Yeah. You, I've drank alone and watched there will yeah, be no, blood. No one You're a monster. You. If, they, if people knew you, they could not love you. Yeah. But instead, what I think we're learning through stand-up, hopefully, and, and through things like this show, is we're opening all the windows and being like, here, take a look around. We're all just freaks trying to get by. Because what if I what if, I know you're joking, but what, I mean no, I am serious though too. I said that to you. We were talking. You and I say things that I wouldn't even say on this show. We've, <laughs> we've confessed things to each other, and if, if there's if there's a mission statement lately on the show is I'm a nice, good person. That's part A. Mm-hmm. Part B is. I've done some fucked up stuff. Yeah. It's usually victimless. You know what I mean? I'm not hurting people, but I'm doing some weird shit that I want to talk about. And I, and I want people, for better or worse, I'd like my fellow man to go, I've done that too. Or that's not that weird. Or I love you anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the line in the sand is? We though? just retire the you, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a good run, everybody. Because that's. I feel like that statement is what we've been gearing up towards. Yeah. What do you mean, what is the line in the sand? Well, sh- you, I mean, surely most people, if not everybody, thinks like, I'm a nice person. I'm a good guy. I've yeah. done some fucked up things. Yeah, you're right. At what point do you cross over and you're like, oh, you're Hitler? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. Well, I mean, obviously, it's, there's no way to answer that i actually think well i mean they're probably that's we don't don't have time to answer that it's a great counterpoint it is a great counterpoint because everybody uh thinks they're probably pretty good and people who don't are really annoying people who don't think they're good hey i'm just a fucking dick i own it oh right yeah fucking go buy a motorcycle yeah dickweed you jackass (laughs) you're right that that owning Okay, it goes. Back Why would to, you not want to be nice to people? I said this to you last night. Remember, uh, we not went, that it's not fun to be mean to people. Of course, it's the most. It's fun. so fun. I got a laugh from the waiter. He wasn't even our waiter oh, because yes. he was coming to fill our water. Yeah, and he just timed out to come by during a punchline. And I was saying, I was. I'm like, sure he timed it out. 
<laughs> he was like, like, he's gearing up. I can he tell by his hand gestures. <laughs> gets the laugh. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> I don't remember what we were talking about, but I said to you, I was like, I'm not an asshole. Okay, most people probably think that, but mm-hmm. I, I, I think I have it confirmed through friends and family that yeah, I'm not an asshole. I have asshole. on good authority. Yeah. Every, in my experience, in the research I've done, not an asshole. Mm-hmm. And then I said, but even non-assholes sometimes do asshole things. Yeah. That's that's great. I feel like that's true. That's but then the confession element and the absolving element of the laughing and of just just you and I talking about fucked up weird shit we did when we were kids or whatever, uh, you could you could be like, oh, that's that's okay. I did that too. Yeah, I uh, I don't. <laughs> no, oh, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to put you on the spot. No, no, no. That's that's a thought. The thought is now done. Now tell me more about starting stand-up, because that's fucking mm. interesting. You have an STD. Don't have an STD. You have an ugly-ass dick. Ugly dick. Real your ugly dick, dick look, regardless of your STD, your dick, which is sad and, and shriveled, yeah. looks like it has an STD. Right. Even though it doesn't. It doesn't. That's just how God made it. It's Well, if it was God. As a little joke in your pants. <laughs> this is a little punchline for the ladies right before mm-hmm. you pass the point of no return. Chris Thayer's dick is out. You want to talk and laugh about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you still have to have sex yeah. with them. Or, um, or yeah, take or advantage not. of a little boy. Uh, no, you, okay, sorry. sorry. Right. So I, yeah, I was I, I was just scared and I was like self-diagnosing because my wiener was growing uglier as I got older, I guess. <laughs> or it was just maybe folded in a weird way under the wrong light. I understand. But anyway. I just this is what yeah, it, this is gonna air. Oh my god! No, anyway, I, uh, I, I I'm not gonna edit this. I'm not gonna edit it. All right. I anyway. was worried that my dick riff was too mean. Dick riff. <laughs> um. So I I had started doing stand up and I like went full bore when I started doing stand up. Yes. Uh. Tried to do. I mean. See again. I wonder if that's tied to the psychology of if I'm gonna drink, I'm gonna get. It's like up. an addict. I ha- I'm like if I'm gonna go out, I have or like yes. if I'm gonna try to meet people, I'm gonna try to have sex with them. Right. If I'm gonna go out. I have to get wasted. If I right. I, I remember noticing that even when I was a kid. I was like, I think I'm a pretty extreme person. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, clocks should tell time. Comedians should do a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. Alcoholics should drink. So I tried to do 200 sets in the first year. Did you? Yeah. A little more than that. Jeez, man. Um, that's really impressive. It was like, towards the end of the first year, I was like, I wonder if I can make it to two. You know, I didn't yeah. plan on it. But then I was like, I wonder if I can make it to 200. That's I great. I made it to 202 or 203 or something like that. I was like counting every single That's a little weird, one but on a interesting. That's interesting. It was just... I yeah, don't know if it's weird. weird. It's just kind of type A that yeah. is something that I wouldn't do. Um, and... I don't know that you know. I that was the beginning of it. Was just weird. See that, but that's that's something that I like about you is is, is your work ethic is evident. Mm. You're going for it. I can't stand people that are. Uh, this is going to sound kind of condescending or maybe uncaring. I don't like people that are like, uh, "How long have you been doing stand up?" And they're like, "Well, I did it for uh, I did it for six six months." And then I took a eight year break, and then they count. And it now like I'm, I've been doing it for nine years. And no, no, not even. No, there's then. people like that. Though, Do they? Too. Yeah. Well, look, like five look, years. I took a three-year break. Here, here's my contradicting feel, contradictory feelings. One, sympathy. Mm-hmm. Stand up's hard. Yeah. I get it. Things happen in your life. Maybe you didn't want to take a break. I get it. I understand. But two, it's almost like there's part. There's this cruelty in myself that's like you have to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You can't take a break. Yeah. Suffer on stage. I feel like that. I feel bad even going on vacations and stuff sometimes. Yeah, well, you know how I feel about that. Like, I also feel like you need to take breaks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bra- breaks meaning I, like four days without a I, show. Uh, it really tapered off. After the first year, I mean, 
the you know 200 is like oh that's maybe impressive that's like yeah it's great but it took a toll for sure yeah it was alienating yeah and it was lonely and it's like you have to have a life to talk about that's great man it's like religion It, it, it pain sacrifice like almost like human sacrifice comedy sometimes feels like this weird jealous god and these things you do the things you sacrifice on that altar kind of come back to you it's fucking weird what i'm saying right now is weird but that year that you went through the friends you lost hopefully you know or or the relationships that you alienated or the loneliness you felt Mm -hmm. i think there's this inherent justice hopefully in comedy that's bizarre that I've experienced and my friends have experienced that'll say, uh, thank you for the sacrifice of loneliness. Here's uh, your Letterman spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, yeah. you're, you're, what you're doing right now is planting. There's yeah. planting and there's harvesting. Harvesting is better. Harvesting feels great. Yeah. Planting is like, it's going to be a hard summer. Do you ever question? I don't know what that voice was, but it offended I don't know either. I, I was picturing an old prospector, but it kind of came out weird. Ah, you, ah. Sounded to me like a plantation owner. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't, you ever offend yourself? <laughs> ah, the summer. Um, now, I was picturing crotchety old, like a Simpsons character. Go on. Do you ever question to yourself whether or not where stand-up fits in the order of things, whether or not it's the right thing to do? That's something that I've struggled with. In the with. universe? Kind of. Just because, uh, you know, when I get at my worst and lowest points, uh, everything that I'm doing is wrong. And I keep grinding over that in my head. And it's just like, I toy with the ideas and I'm like, I'm just selfish. I'm just doing the wrong thing. I'm a piece of shit. And uh, You feel like stand-up is selfish? Sometimes, yeah. When it's- I get... When, it, when I... It's kind of analyze, yeah. It's I feel like I mean most art self expression. You feel like you deserve to have your viewpoint out there for yeah. whatever reason. Yes, is I mean it is a selfish pursuit. I think. Yep. I don't know. Again, for a fact. I think we've run into yet another contradiction. It's selfish, and I believe it's a ministry. I, yeah. I think you've probably heard me say that before. Mm-hmm. So here it comes in triplicate. <laughs> I don't feel. First of all, I completely agree. It's mm-hmm. a bizarre profession. I want people to applaud before I've done anything, just for being there. Uh-huh. You're also there, but I don't clap for you. <laughs> Maybe I should. Sometimes yeah. I do clap for the crowd. Uh-huh. They're looking good. I'll give, give it up it to for them. yourself. Yeah, yeah. Why not? I'm talking about the idea of being selfish, but simultaneously, I think if I was in some sort of deep meditative trance, which we will be later, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think... Uh, if all goes according to plan. I'd like to think that the universe, that, that stand-up and God and the universe, or what, however you want to interpret these things, these noble things, these, the, the judging of your life's work, I think hopefully the stand-up that we are doing should be like a service. It should be like, that was good. We've helped people. Like people. What, what aspect that, of the stand-up? The things that you talk about or the, both, just what, yeah. what the audience gets the out of it? The service of the laughter being a, a stress and tension reliever. A friend of mine, I'll never forget, told a story where his brother was really, really almost suicidal. And he put in Ace Ventura Pet Detective. They couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was, he was so close to sh- killing himself. And it, his brother knew this. And he put in a VHS, you know, not like in the room. <laughs> but it was understood. Razor blade that, inches from the wrist. Yeah, this was like, this guy is in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what to say to him. Because I can't truthfully say it's going to be okay. I can't truthfully say I relate. 
I don't know what to say. And this is my brother. This isn't my story. This is someone else's story. So what I said was, <laughs> all righty then. <laughs> exactly. Put in Ace Ventura, started laughing. Slowly, surely, his brother starts laughing. It like pulled, like the plane, the nose of the plane was pulled up yeah. by Ace Ventura, pet detective. Mm-hmm. That's also selfish. It made Jim Carrey a movie star. It also stopped a guy. This is by this guy's, his analysis, not mine. Stopped his brother from killing himself one yeah. night. Now, I'm not saying we're necessarily doing that, but hopefully laughing is good and, and relieving and helping and important monkeys tickling each other and shit to what we're saying. Well, okay. And to expound on that yep. idea, does that mean that certain types of stand-up are less worthwhile than others? I, well, I mean... Because some things are, you know, would be uh, analyzed by may, may, me or you, for example, as like less good than absolutely. I would imagine and the, just sheer entertainment you know style no substance whatever right well is that less valid I don't know I don't know either because okay I don't think he'd mind me saying Crystalia you know do you know Crystalia's yeah, yeah, yeah. work at all is super silly fun time right it's just I mean he and I talk about it's it's these weird kind of he'll use a false premise it doesn't That's, matter uh, something I think about was like I those kind of guys make me laugh so much. They make me so laugh. much more. Like Todd, yes. Todd uh, and I don't mean this in an insulting way or anything yeah. to say that it's, but just people who can allow themselves to be silly. It's great. Todd Glass or yeah. you know, somebody like that just like makes me cry with laughter. Yeah, silliness. But I almost can't let myself, or I'm not at the point yet. I w- I'd like to be there where that's a part of me, but. I can't let myself do that. I, I weigh everything out too much. And it's well, that's like, funny because we've talked about that for you. It's funny that we talk about you and your career abstractly. Again, even though I haven't seen your stand-up, yeah. we talk about the goal of getting silly Chris to, on stage. Yeah, get back to who you are Because when we're off stage, we were doing that bit last time I was in San Francisco about the guy in the recording booth for, for Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter, yeah. And for an hour, we were just going, Sonic. I'm sorry, could we... Could you take that from the top? Can we go back, please? <laughs> Tiger. No, no, no. no. Yoga. Fl- no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not feeling it. Yoga fire. Yoga fire. No, no. Do, do you no. see Dalzim is kind of like a yoga? <laughs> like a yoga. Is it lower? Sonic. Sonic. <laughs> Hadug. No. Hold on. Let me. I gotta warm up. Is it a red Okay, I'm ready. Set up. Sonic boom. Pence. Pence. Sonic pence. Pence. Hadulik. Spadigat. Yeah. What it, what's he saying when he does the – we did this for about three hours, and that delighted me, by uh-huh. the way. And then I was like, you should do that on stage, and you, and you were kind of like, I don't really do that I'm sort like, of stuff. I'm like, nope, you can have it. And then I was like, I will. I, I haven't, but I mean, I would. Yeah. But, okay, to answer your question or to at least bring it back to the question, I don't think what Chris D'Elia is doing is less valuable than what the uh, go-to example of like a philosopher, comedian, Louis is doing. Yeah. I think there's a ministry to both of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, because those are the like Chris cracks me up. Yeah, yeah. When I'm in the crowd, I lose my shit laughing. Mm-hmm. And when I watch Louie, it makes me think, and it kind of changes social constructs. Like, you, ch- uh, change can come about from listening to Louie. Have you given up on? Or I don't know if you questioned it in the first place, but if you have, does that mean that you don't question it anymore? Because you allow yourself to be like, well, it's a ministry, and we're bringing these things to people. Did you ever question it? 
Uh, no. But I think when I started, it was more for selfish reasons. It was more like I'm going to be a comedian that I might be famous and I'd like to be rich and That's I'd like so to do movies. And- That's, it's interesting to me because I feel like when I listen to you know interviews with other comics and stuff and podcasts, to hear guys like uh, I feel like on WTF this comes up a lot or or in the Champs, which is Moshe and Neil Brennan's and Doug Pound's podcast. Neil, stop dropping my name. Um, that uh, there will be guys that are like, oh, I got into stand up to meet chicks. Yeah, I'm like what? Yeah, that never. None of these things. You got success. into stand up to get away from well, chicks. That. <laughs> well, not anymore. You've come around. But, and it- but I mean, beyond it wasn't because of that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm oversimplifying it to be like, well, I can't fuck anymore, so I guess I'm doing stand up. I understand. I mean, I wanted it was just the impetus to make me do something that I wanted to do. Right, right, right. But it was never about. Be, it was just like yeah. I wanted to. Do, I I still don't. I mean, we've had a conversation before. We had dinner, and I was like, "What's a manager?" Right, you know, yep, stuff like that. Like, I just don't know. I'm almost willfully ignorant because I was just like, I just want to do stand up and and get good at stand up. Yeah, and people are like, "Hey, branding, uh, marketing." Yeah, I'm like, Ugh. yeah, but that that's the perfect thing you have to do. I, I, I uh, this has come up on the show before. Jesus, I'm going to shoot myself in the face. But uh, you've actually said that before. Th- that whole thing. <laughs> just uh, all you got to do is be funny. I mean, like that's that's everything. If you can be funny on stage at the time that they wanted you to be funny, and then get off at the time that they wanted you to get off, and you were hilarious, managers, branding, all that stuff will take care of itself. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not. I ugh, I hate that we're even talking. It makes me. It makes my skin crawl to like yeah, talk about it. Good so, to address stuff. Like yeah, that. that's the name of the or show. Or to hear like bro. manager. I don't yeah. know. Just the terms. It's weird because you were telling me that you're being kind of sniffed by a manager. And if I, when I first got my manager, I was doing it like seven or eight years, and you've been doing it. I thought you said three. that when we had dinner one time, you said that there were some people that started to come around, though. But that was the guy that was like, what do you stand yeah, for? Yeah, yeah. What do you stand for? But nobody's ever officially said, like, I'm interested. Or yeah, but I, I'm, it's still good. Those, that's, good that's a good sign. Around three and a half years, uh, if, you, if someone's sniffing around and coming to shows and emailing you or whatever... That's a good sign. But I also don't know where that goes. I mean, I see some younger guy. I mean, it's definitely concentrated in L.A. You know, sure. As opposed to... It also helps that you're in L.A. Yeah. That, you know, the, the, where all these managers are. But I just feel like uh, you see... I see a lot of younger, newer guys here who have managers. And I part of me is like, why? Yeah. Well, and you said that about yourself. Also. You were like, should I get a manager? And I was like, well, I mean, yeah. There's no downside. I feel weird. You'll they'll probably book you. Don't want that. How much time do you have? Isn't that a terrible question? <laughs> I really I hate don't that have an question. answer to that question. Really? Yeah, because I ter- I flip material a lot. What do you mean? I just get tired of shit so quickly that I feel a lot of times I'm like I feel like I'm always between sets. Hmm. Like I'm not like oh, I'm building up that hour. You know? Right. I'm like like well you should work on yeah do i have this much again with the guilt and the shame i think it's also i'm always trying to keep it where am i at right now yes and i get so tired of older stuff that it's really hard for me but yeah it definitely is a guilt thing of like doing a show where there's one person i know in the audience and being like oh shit i gotta do all new stuff right because but okay yes rather than winning over everyone else that's a good impulse to be like i there's an uh, an urgency to be creating new stuff and pushing forward but there's also a carelessness to i'm not saying for you i am kind of saying for you you need to be careful of this and i know a lot of those guys these these again these it's another trap that i feel like stand-ups can fall into where it's like you need to remember your stuff like it needs to be compiled somewhere and it needs to be collected and there's actually 
a neglect to not repeating your material. You should do it a lot, a lot, a lot. What, what I think the best thing to do is when you get tired, it's called old new. This is, this is what like, oh, like Kumail will be like, I like that bit. And I was like, it's old new. Meaning it's new to everybody, but I did it four years ago. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. just bring it back. But it's important to bring that stuff back. Yeah. Have like a master list or something. I've got all the old notebooks. And you, have, and you record yourself. I think I've got all the old set lists even. Really? Like I love old them. set lists. All of them. I, I have all my old set lists too. I saw you have a desk covered in them. Yeah. Well, I look like an insane person. Yeah, you've got post all over the apartment. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say if you read them, they'll say like Gosling hit... Uh, hit face oriental fan that's one of them right now i look like a crazy person a little bit uh well let's talk about girls okay or you want to keep talking about comedy um, i feel like we could shift shift let's shift it yeah shift it up feels a little advicey at this point am i being too advicey no i just don't have anything to respond with uh i hope not i love giving advice i, I was given so much advice all of this yeah. is just recycled other people's advice yeah you know what i'm saying yeah i love it I'm saying on stage lately, I go, it's better to be single than to be with the wrong person. People are like, oh, that's brilliant. I got it from some movie or something. It was a line in some It was movie. on a bookmark. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I read it on the calendar. <laughs> not even the book that I read. Just the bookmark that was in it. Speaking of being single and not being with the wrong person. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, what's expected of you and sticking in things. I'm talking about bad relationships. I have a tendency to stay in a relationship much longer than I ought to. A, a feeling of uh, enti- like I, I owe it to them and all that. So it goes back to that performance aspect. Yeah. I can't let this fail. You're my girlfriend. I'm not going to fuck it up. We're going to make this work, which is good. That'll probably be good when it comes time to get married or I'm, whatever. I'm not like that at all. No? No You way. cut the cord. No, I, don't, started... I can't cut the cord, though, either. That's oh, my... we've talked about that. I get stuck that, in the interzone. You've been a good friend to me many times where I've been trying to break up with somebody because mm-hmm. I'm a coward. I have to throw my hat over the wall and tell everyone I know. Ugh, I don't, I'm not, no, I'm not, that's not, not everyone saying. I know. I have like four close friends that I will be like, here, let me break up with you. Mm-hmm. You'll be my girlfriend, <laughs> and I'll basically make the case because I'm a fucking coward. I'm also a, like the contradictions. You can also be strong and confident in other things. When it comes to hurting somebody, oh, you can't yeah. do it. Yet you're just prolonging and making it so much worse. Yeah, I, I, I'm very bad about being honest and direct. I'm like horrible yeah. at it. I think that's why guys like us and people in general love Don Draper, love Tony <sighs> Soprano. These alpha males that are all testosterone, all decisiveness, say exactly what they think. Mm-hmm. It's really intoxicating just to watch because that's our fantasy. Yeah. Imagine if you were just like, sorry, it's not working out. Oh, geez. Hey, I think you're great. I don't know why you're crying. You'd be a sociopath. Yeah. But like, what's that feel like for you? You don't, you can't cut the cord. You stay in. What I do is I, well, the little things. Even I just don't want to. I'm afraid that it'll fuck it up for me to mention what's bothering me. So I'll hold it in for like three days. Usually, that's really about the gestation I period. I can't believe you're saying that because mine is three days. It too. bottles and it expands for three days until I'm ready to break up over it. Yes, any little thing. Yes. Ready to break up over it. And then I am not good at all about hiding my emotions. Yep. So I just become very withdrawn and very cold because otherwise I feel like I'm lying to the person. Yep. I'm leading them on. Yes. You know, I'm being phony. And so then they're like... But so, you're really being kind of phony because you're not saying... Yeah. Can you think you're of an also example going, of something that you hate, like that they did? I, I don't I don't want to put you in that. I, I can't really remember because I haven't really I can't either. been in a relationship in like six years, five years. I, I think I remember one where it was like I had a girlfriend that didn't like that I would... Uh, 
look at a text if we were at dinner right, uh-huh. or something. And then, so I wouldn't. And then I remember they got a text at dinner and they looked at their phone. Oh, yeah. You're keeping I, tabs and on. I, it's so petty and stupid. But, I, I yeah. honestly, even though I'm not in a relationship right now, I'd like to think this kind of work, therapy and talking about this stuff, will make it so that when I get there, we can address those things in real time. Yeah. Because I can't believe you said three days. I'm three days. Uh-huh. If someone says something fucked up and weird or some story that I hated – Give me three days, and that's what the coward will turn around with and be like, "Hey!" And it'll either come out in a fight about something else, yeah, or it'll or it'll come up out of the blue. That's you, what my therapist. You withdraw or no? And then there is a little bit of a withdrawal. Okay, I withdraw real hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, that seems like they would notice that and then be like, what they is They do, it? and then they bring it up and go, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then finally it's like... Oh, God. Th- then the weird part is that when it comes out, if it fi- I mean, it will. When it finally comes out, I go, ah, and I'm like really uncomfortable about it to where yeah. I'll, I'll probably like almost start crying just because I feel so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Tell them about the thing, and then just getting it out feels so good. Like throwing up. Even if it's not like, uh, you know, we've worked through it or talked about it. Yeah, it's just, just being, saying it yeah, to them yeah. makes me feel so good. And then I go, but you know what? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's not even a big deal. I just, now that I say it, I feel so much better, so it's not even a problem. And it's just like, isn't what that are you interesting? Doing? I'm like stuffing it back in. It's like I let it out, and then I'm like, and that ah, ca- that kind of goes to like why performing feels cathartic, why it feels cleansing. You just wanted to say it. I just wanted to get it out there, and but you you didn't. You wanted to wrestle with it, almost like writing a bit, and then you and then you say it, and then and then it's over just by saying it. But I want to be like, uh, forget that I ever said it. Also, Here's- don't hold it against me like I held it against you. Yes, yes. <laughs> Please don't treat me exactly how I'm treating <laughs> yeah. you. My therapist and I, though, I, if one of the main things we're working on in general, and one of the things I'm incredibly grateful for him in general, is trying to get the three-day thing to real time. Mm-hmm. Deal with things in real time. It's so weird that with, you know, with therapy, I only went for maybe a year or so, but just uh, you know, in theory versus in practice is like the hardest part about that. You know, you, you come... Being in therapy and you hear all these great points and you're like, yes, I should do that. I should do that. And then trying to not only hold on to those things, but practically apply them as they come up and access that. It takes so much time. That's why you have to keep going. Yeah. Even though he doesn't necessarily have anything new to say to me. Well, that's the thing is you should hear the same things over and over. It should be in triplicate, dare I say. Mm -hmm. But but people are dumb, but we learn by repetition and stuff. My therapist makes the same points all the time. You know why? Because I'm making the same points. I'm making the same mistake over and over. Our minds get stuck on this track, this infinite loop, and it's only affected by uh you know the stimulus that we put into it right so it's not going to change unless you change some pattern in your life and we keep attracting the same type of relationship for example the same sort of bullshit and then it's not going to stop until hopefully that's what i'm doing now is taking a time and being like i'm going to recalibrate uh to quote duncan trussell i'm going to stop cleaning the screen and i'm going to go into the projection room and Mm -hmm. clean the lens (laughs) you know i have to go inside and clean that shit up i'm trying to uh, be aware of of what kind of people I'm attracted to and try to change that. I think because I interesting. I think can we, you, we can, can we do that? Yeah, it's like uh, oh, it's tricky, man. I'm I feel like I'm just it's unhealthy from the start. I'll go to a, maybe a party or something, and I'll see there's all these people having a great time. And then the one girl standing alone in the corner looking dejected. That's ah. who I immediately am attracted to. Yes, go over to that person and be like. 
hey, look at these fucking idiots over here having yeah. fun like yeah, dicks. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's how we bond. And that's immediately unhealthy. But I'm like, well, that's the then, easiest way to make a connection with somebody right? that I know of is just to that shit on other that stuff. Well, instead of being like, I'm as fun as you, right? Right. I can't mm. do that. It's hard. It is hard. It's hard. You meet a girl and she's like, I'm an adventurer. I love hiking and I want to go to Greece and like, I want to learn Swahili. I'm fuck. like, it, it causes anxiety because I'm like, am I fun enough for you? Can I keep up with Oh, yeah. This? I've got to change my whole lifestyle. I tend to run into girls that are down for caving it up. Would you like to cave with me? Would you like to be my girlfriend and just like stay inside and watch movies and mm-hmm. have sex? That's that's a comfortable place for me. But that's not living. Yeah. That's in the sidelines of the party making fun of it. Something yeah. else I love to do. Let me ask you this, though. Do you then date that person, presumably, this antisocial uh, weirdo mm-hmm. like, like us? Uh, that's how I can be at a party, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then do you date them? And then what I would do, I would then resent them for the thing that attracted me to them in the first place. Um, not always. But that, then I'd be like, I wish you were more fun. But the thing that drew me to you was the fact that you're not fun, quote unquote. I think now... Because I haven't like had a, a girlfriend, girlfriend in like in honestly five years, like mm-hmm. a long relationship, mm-hmm. more than you know, sort of casual thing. Mm-hmm. So, but times that I will be like seeing somebody that's like that, I think there is a sense of like some kind of resentment about. Yeah, it. well, this is this has been coming up a lot uh, lately. Is that uh, the idea that I will be drawn to like sexy people, someone who dresses sexy or, or acts sexy, uh-huh. and then and then the second I get them, I'm like, can you fucking tone down the sexy? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, as I'm saying that, I'm just so full of shit. But hopefully, by repeating it, I, I know I just said that on the last episode. I'll stop doing that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's weird the parts that come out of yourself that you don't know that are there until again with it because it has to do with the track in your mind yeah it's like this figure eight track and the stimulus that affects it yep so you know these unturned stones that are turned when you have somebody else in your life yep and then you're like oh i'm jealous i didn't know that ha (laughs) or whatever you know yeah god i wasn't i was never a jealous person it's hard because you feel like sometimes you can feel whole or good or like i'm i'm fixed or whatever by yourself yep but once you bring another person into the well they yeah they start snooping around and then you can't know if it's them or if it's you or whatever and And then that's challenging and uncomfortable and sometimes you just want to get rid of them so it's best to be alone and just "Ah." drink alone (laughs) (laughs) if we've learned anything just don't fuck with other people you know what What was also interesting about that is, is here's, here's what happens to me in a lot of relationships. You meet drinking. Then you oh. date oh, yeah. drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, as I, I always do, you start phasing drinking out. Yes. And then you're like, this person isn't mm. – or whatever. I want to meet, meet somebody I can stop drinking with. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I love self-help people and stuff. And, and Tony Robbins is mm-hmm. one of those guys that I love. Uh, you know, not not to an extreme extent, but I do enjoy some of his points. Mm-hmm. And one of he said one of the things he was like, he was like, I, I always meet the wrong people. And he's like, Well, where do you meet people? He's like, at bars. And it's like, Yeah. Yeah. Like the idea of meeting someone that might be better than you. I have this like kind of old timey and maybe s- wrong idea that women should be better than us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I kind of think women are better than us, and we should. So I have this fantasy of meeting someone at a yoga class. That would be good. Mm-hmm. Like she's probably not a heroin addict. You know what I mean? Uh, that that's a good place. But I continue to meet people where comedy shows. Yeah. Where the worst people are, uh, the dregs of society. No, I'm not even saying that, but chances are no, no, we're going to be drinking or I'll meet them at some comedy party, Yeah, just meeting a party with a lot of comedians, and I'll be drinking and then uh, I'll be having a lot of fun. I don't know. I think about that a lot. It's like, it's, it, and it's easy also because there's that social lubricant. Yeah. But it's, you know, I also am like, wow, why does the library close so early? 
What do you mean? Like, why can't I, you know, if it was open later, I could socialize there and meet people. Oh, that's interesting. You know? I always think about meeting someone at Whole Foods. I think that's where people meet. Is it? I don't know. I think the grocery store is a place, like, pretty common is for it? people to meet. We both turned to Not Katie. Not like an active Katie. scene. Katie doesn't She's know. Like, oh, Katie okay. says she doesn't know. <laughs> Do you shop at Whole Foods? You never... I feel like there's sex Are there ever guys there? You do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So Katie says yes. And so uh, Ideally, she says yes. There's sex in the Hopefully. air at Whole Foods. There is. There's something happening. You know what it is? Is it's like, if you shop at Whole Foods, you're, <laughs> oh, say, you're saying something pretty big. You're saying, I want those cherries organic, and I want them $34 a pound. <laughs> and that's important to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I see those people, and if, if, we're, if I'm waiting in line for the fucking, I hate myself right now, juice bar. Uh-huh. I love a good juice. Uh-huh. If you're waiting in line, and there's some pretty girl, and you're like, we're both drinking juice. I mean, I know 70% about your personality already, <laughs> and I like it. 70%, she's 70% juice. Yeah. But here, how do you, okay, here's my hope. I'm a contradiction. I'd like to meet a contradiction. Yeah. I'd like to meet I, – I actually did this one time. I was like, someone who doesn't smoke unless we're drunk in Paris. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I know I, exactly But like saying. I got really depressed because I, I wrote down some stuff about like my ideal mate just so I could see it, see it on paper. And then I was like, this person's a contradiction. And then I go, ah, but I'm a contradiction and I exist. I, I totally think that it's impossible to uh... – you know, to think in absolutes, especially about relationships, because it it's it seems so high stakes. Because you're like, am I going to be like, well, I hate cats, yeah, so I won't love somebody who has cats, right? If I'm being honest, with, but it's like even then, I'm like, nah, I think I would be if it was the right person, right? Maybe I th- I think any of those rules probably could go out of the way. That's yeah. actually, what I'm actually quoting is a Tony Robbins exercise, <laughs> and I say that embarrassed. My I, stepdad I I loves. His Tony Robbins tapes. I love Tony And he Robbins. always offers to let me borrow them. You know what it is, though? And I've been turning them down since day one. I've given them away. Uh, no one will ever listen to a Tony Robbins thing as a gift. Mm. Because it's the action. The reason they're so expensive, honestly, I think, is to be like, that's what you're investing in this. That's the only way it works. Mm. I've lent it to people and stuff. They don't listen to it. Even if they ask for it, if you pay four hundred dollars for it, you're going to be like, "Yeah, I'm going to listen to every single." Tape. I wonder if there's like an in, like a perceived insult to it though, where someone. Oh like, yeah. Oh, I think you'll. Uh, yep. I think you need this. I gave it to somebody in my family, and 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 then later, someone let me was help like, you help yourself. Didn't that isn't that kind of fucked up? Aren't you saying like, "Oh, this will fix you"? Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, I didn't think about that." My dad was trying to offer him to me when I was like seventeen, and we were already like butting heads pretty yeah. hard at that point. And I'm like, "I want your fucking tapes, Dad." Well, let me save everybody uh, as much. I like Tony Robbins the the kind of uh, more practical things that you can do are kind of hidden in there mm-hmm. you know what I mean it's not like here's a CD where I'm just going to break it down and tell you exactly what to do those exactly what to do things are scattered throughout so you have to listen to mm-hmm. like 80 hours yeah. I'll cut to the cut to the quick here is the idea that uh, when you're single, it's actually a great – it's a position of power because you can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something to, first of all, not be sad about but be glad. You're like, I can go anywhere. Like I said, it's better to be single than to be in the wrong relationship. Yes. Then the purpose of – you write down – and he was like, make it like Christmas. Write a list of the perfect person. Mm-hmm. And he was like, be as shallow as you want. You can be like huge tips <laughs> or whatever you want. Don't censor yourself sounds at like all. a pretty cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't censor yourself at all. Write it as, as superficial as you want, as deep as you want, as specific as you want. You can even be like, doesn't have cats. You could put that on there. Anything you can think. If you can just put yourself That's in, not out of the picture. Uh, anything in the space of just like, I'm a kid and it's a Christmas list. Uh-huh. And then he was like, but here's the kicker. Then you go back 
after you do that exercise, and you're supposed to underline the things that are musts, the things that are deal breakers. Big tits. Big tits <laughs> doesn't have a cat. <laughs> no, but the idea. The whole list. That was that is a very helpful exercise. Brunette is not a must. You know what I mean? What do you kind is? What do you think it says about yourself though? If, if you, like, because I feel like I couldn't do that. What do you mean? To even to my maybe just I don't know not admit to myself that there's some absolute or something. What or, the must or are? that I don't have. Yeah, but you know what the musts are. Kind. There's got to be a few, but I, well, maybe it's just because you're the, a few things that you mentioned would be like brunette or something, and yeah. those things I'm like I don't care. Right. So those aren't your musts. But yeah. Some yeah. of them, like some of the musts, are like uh, likes to laugh. That's a must. Yeah. You at, know what I mean? At my humor. At me <laughs> specifically. Well, I actually, I mean, like thinks I'm when funny. I want them. I, to. I think thinks I'm funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that important <laughs> yeah, to you? That's pretty specific. My, uh, you know, I don't want to put her down. My ex-wife didn't think I was that funny, which was interesting to me because it made me work for it. So I kind of liked it. But I, you know, my having ex, my ex-girlfriend didn't think I was funny. But since then, having dated people that did think I was funny, preferable. That that gets underlined. Also, not too funny. What do you mean? Oh yeah, thinks you're funny but not too funny. Laugh at laugh. Give the give the joke what it deserves. Interesting point because we hate ourselves secretly. Uh-huh. Not really. Well, yeah, I think parts of us, uh, parts like, of us do. Come on, it wasn't that funny, right? That was I was putting a bad one out there, and you really overdid it with the yeah. Oh, poor girls. You got to go. What a crazy. They must be. Pe- crazy I mean, I, other people must be the same way. I, yeah, it just made me feel sympathy for this stupid uh, algorithm that some girls that might be trying to get a boyfriend or whatever have to figure out this bullshit. Girls it's, get a bad rep for being crazy and having bullshit. Here we are. You just said something pretty fucking crazy yeah. that I agreed with. It's little, it's that the weirdest little bad. things. I went to the park with somebody Laugh the other at day. us, but not too much. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Good luck, ladies. I went to the park with somebody the other day, and we were trying to find a place to put the, the blanket down. Yeah. And I, I was like, you know, I have a crush on this person a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, how about this place? And they were like, hmm, I don't think so. And they moved it somewhere else, and then I was like, hmm. <laughs> I took note of that, where I was <laughs> that like... You, that she didn't like your... Huh. We're little, we're little baby boys. I was over it, right? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? Look, here's the, the good side of this is just be honest. Just be real. That's the only hope any of us have. You know what I'm saying? Laugh at the joke exactly how you would laugh at it. Don't up it and don't down it. Just be real. Because the other the, – if you're not, fast forward to us being 75 and still married and you hate me. You know what I mean? Just be real from Why the get-go. Why does he think he's so funny? Don't worry about it. Because you lied to him for the first 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, but what you're saying is men are children, okay? I don't know what women are, but I can speak for the men that I know mm-hmm. and you and me. Children. Oops. If, like, it's sad for me to think that I uh, relate to the idea of, like, what was wrong with where I picked for the... For the uh, yeah. But they just did that on Mad Men. Don loves the goes back to Zuby Zoo. He loves oh, the yeah. sherbet, and she he doesn't love it, sherbet. and he, and that makes him feel like a baby boy. And mm-hmm. He's like, "You're humiliating me in front of the waitress," because that's his choice. Yeah. At that moment, the sherbet is his dick, <laughs> and she's saying, "I don't like it." She's saying it tastes like perfume, and he's saying, "What are you saying about my perfume, dick?" <laughs> and then he comes Chanel. <laughs> Sometimes we do bits on the show, and I'm like. Oh, I hope someone illustrates that. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Well, that's some good girl stuff. Where yes. are we at, at time, Katie? Shit, we got a meditation class to get to. Okay. No, no, no. This is the best. You're gonna, you're gonna have to do the show again because there's so much. I, we didn't even get into your family. I hope it's funny. This is the funniest. <laughs> I hope it's funny. You're the best. The first half was pretty good, right? Shit. Hmm. Katie.
He's not giving us anything. That kind of felt real. (laughs) That kind of felt pretty real. No, she loved it. She faked it. Uh, She faked it. Uh, well, you know, let's let's. Uh, I'm getting some real atheist vibes from you from what we've been talking about so far. Mm, now, again, the main thing is the absolutes. I think that I uh, I wrote this down the other day, kind of half jokingly, which means probably serious. You know, in our sure. in our world, yeah. I was half kidding. Eh, you're serious, but you didn't want to admit it. Right, you know? right. Is that uh, I almost feel like as far as the thing with the absolutes is like. Sometimes I'm like, do I even have any opinions of my own? Do I have it's any hard like, to solid know what, it's thoughts? It's hard to know what you want. Or am I just mirroring people and hoping that they love me? Great question. To, <laughs> that's a fucking great question to ask yourself. Uh-huh. What do I really want? What do I really believe? I'm hoping someone else will answer it for me. <laughs> I know. Well, people that tell me like profound drug experiences, uh-huh. getting a glimpse of their true self or whatever, mm-hmm. that's what we're looking for. I, I'm just trying to have a dialogue with the real Pete all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm just guessing at what he wants. I, and I'm kind of not that good at it. Yeah, I'm not the best. At, I'm not the best at steering the ship, but I'm the only, <laughs> no, one, there you're the only one there is. And I have to go in and be like, "What do we like? Yeah, this girl's kind of brassy. Where's the do ship? We like go- where's brassy? the ship going? Yeah, where's the ship going? Why is there a ship? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> why is there a ship? Why don't you just tell me? Yeah, it's like we're in a relationship with ourselves, and I just want to scream, "Just tell me what you want." Yeah, and he doesn't even know, or I can't hear him, or the things you're like, "Why do you want that?" Yeah. Well, what, what is real Chris? So real Chris, are you interested in spiritual things? Um, to almost to an extent where it's like, it sounds fun. Yeah. You know, it's not like when, when Duncan and I were talking about the occult. Yeah. That just lights my fire. I love the thought of people in robes invoking some sort of spirit. He was talking about ritual. There's no ritual Communicate. Anymore. Yeah, we've lost ritual. You start talking about that. You start talking about the Freemasons. You start talking about any society, uh, secret society. You talk about rituals. You talk about uh, all that stuff. I'm on board. I'm just yeah. That just lights me up. Well, I definitely... Um I'm attracted, you know, to the idea of spirituality and, like, metaphysical stuff. And yeah. Stuff like that. But yeah. um, it's also so interesting because uh, you talk about things like collective unconscious and stuff. And mm-hmm. we're, we're limited. That means, I feel like that still means different things to different people because we're limited by the language that we use, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as religion itself, I think, you know, I don't really believe, I don't subscribe I also don't really care if other people do or don't. Right. Well, is that a deal breaker with a girl if she was Mormon? Or I'm trying to think of a a pretty more hands-on religion. I feel, you know, involved religion. I feel like, uh, like it's superficial almost. But that's like the big one for people. Yeah. You know, that matters. That's their life. uh, The two things that break marriages up the most are money and religion. Yeah. So I don't think I don't think that I could. Yeah. No, I don't think I could. You'd need someone similar to you that's yeah. kind of not really that interested into yeah. it, but not Or maybe not if they interested. have their own thing, if they're into like, I like, you know, all that new agey shit is, is interesting to me. Yeah. Because it has a lot to do with psychology. Yes. And then also kind of weird science. Well, and it's modern and it's shifty. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's looking. I, I like new agey stuff too. It's a little embarrassing for me to say that because I know 22-year-old Pete would be upset by that. It'd be like, what the hell? What the hell happened what the to fuck? you? What the what the heck happened to you? You, oh, you flake. You flake. Uh, but I like it because it's evolved. It's looking. It's searching. It's open. It's almost like the science of religion, if that makes any sense. Because it's like, oh, we thought that, but that's not true anymore. Yeah. Or maybe this is it. The only thing, the thing with uh, you know staunch atheism though is that just uh, you know science is so cold. 
I understand so what you're cold saying. cold and, and unloving, and there's no room for that's what, fun. I, I love... I, exa- Science doesn't account for fun. And, and kind of like that mystery. Wonder, yeah. All it's almost like stuff. ghost stories. People love telling ghost stories. People are like, do you believe in ghosts? And it's like, I think it would be... I think it's fun to believe in ghosts. It's similar. Right. It's fun to believe in God yeah. to a certain extent. It's fun to believe in a spiritual thing. And sometimes, I'm, you know, like my grandfather passed away a couple years ago and like, I don't really believe in it, but it, if there's a heaven, I hope he goes there. Yeah. You want the best for people. Yeah. I don't know. I bend to... You've what? I bend to the, yeah. know, these situations. I think you're like a lot of people. Yeah. And, and you know, there are uh, some wonderful atheists and th- that are my good friends that make science very exciting and engaging. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I always want to speak for the atheists because they, they, get a, they get a hard time on the show, which is fine. And it always leads to comments of people being like, hey, fuck yourself. So we understand there are people who are – I'm actually going to compliment them, say smart enough to understand science and planets and the ocean and all these things that we just don't yeah. think about, gravity. whatever things I words I don't even know and they're like that's enough I think that's wonderful but I the way that I'm wired and the way that my brain works is I'd rather sit with Duncan and have him be like David Bowie was really into the occult Mm -hmm. and I'm like (laughs) (laughs) so that's fun I uh was your family religious Uh, no actually that's why I wonder what is the origin of guilt that I have? Like, uh, they weren't religious. Yeah. My grandpa took me to church every once in a while. Yeah. And I remember just like, I was young, so I was in Sunday school and you like, drop pictures. It sounds like shit. he beat you. Wait oh, to, man. Wait, he, wait took to me, get... he took me to church. <laughs> well, I would wait to get ice cream. That's all I was doing, you know? Just like, we would, it would be over and then we'd go get ice cream. So right. I'm just like killing time. Like, right. Oh, yeah, God, great. That's like the Brian Regan bit. But, uh, with Little League. He was like, free snow cone. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's yeah. the score, Brian? Free snow cone. Snow cone. We get a snow cone after the game, free snow cone. So no, they weren't religious. We went to church a little bit, but no, I don't. Hmm. I don't know where. That's always interesting. It's a self. I'm like, what did I generate this myself? Your guilt. This guilt. Yeah. Well, I mean, your uh, your C.S. Lewis's and stuff would say that your propensity to guilt and your propensity, your your inherent knowing of right and wrong, he says that points to the existence of God. He would be like. Children knowing that you shouldn't punch someone without anyone telling you that, that that's wrong. Uh, I, think, I think a science person would be like, well, that's silly. I yeah, mean, how, like, would you, you know well, how would you gauge that they pain. haven't been influenced by anyone? But I think he's saying in himself this idea, yeah, yeah. an understanding of the infinite and an understanding of morality that's just in you. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe like your guilt could be argued as like some sort of moral compass. Yeah. But it's too complicated. I can't do this surgery. I can't go inside you and be like, did you learn that? Did you observe it? Did you get it? It's everywhere. It's all around us. People are telling you to be guilty. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't. But it's also like, you know, we're gross throwing up shit spewing out of your dick. Take a shit twice a day. We're gross. So I think there's something built into us to be like, I feel bad. I'm filled with waste. I came in a diaper. I put on a diaper that another woman was a four-legged put diaper. A double diaper on. And I put it in one, two strokes and two came pumps. and ran one, out. One for you, one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, great episode. Yeah. I, knew, I know we talked about this, and I'm so happy we found the juice, man, because you're one of my favorite people, one of the funniest guys I know. See, I'll say it at the end. I didn't want to say it at the beginning. Uh, so show business, you're welcome. Chris Thayer. Can ah. I, can I uh, mention some? Yeah, go ahead. Little things? 
Um, so I'm mostly in San Francisco. I just want to mention my website. Please do. Okay, this is Chris Thayer. We call those plugs, by the way. Gotcha, plugs. Can, can, Ooh, I, plug can I get a pull quote? Anybody? Uh, I, just, I just learned that like three weeks ago. Oh, did I? Because I got that from Berbiglia, and I've been using it all the time. <laughs> oh. I go, hey, man, I love that thing where you said this. And he goes, oh, I didn't, oh, I didn't know that was the pull quote. <laughs> uh, um, so I'm mostly in San Francisco, but shows on my website. At what is your website? Thisischristhayer.com. Nice. Twitter at Chris Thayer says, um, I do a weekly show every, week, every Wednesday in San Francisco called The Business at the Dark Room. And also, I just want to mention my friends are working on a festival in San Francisco that will be coming up in October. They're taking comic submissions right now. It's going to be awesome. It's called the San Francisco Comedy and Burrito Festival. Um, check it out at SFCBF, whatever stands for San yep. Francisco Comedy Burrito Festival, dot com. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So that'll be great. Those are the things. Which I, mean, I don't know if I can do it, but maybe I'll do that. Yeah, talk to them. October. I get overwhelmed with scheduling. You get all these emails, and you're like, that email came in, and I was like, I can't look at this right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> High class problems. You want to say keep it crispy? I bet you do. Will you say it like Richard Pryor? Uh, for, yeah. You can say it normal and then okay. like Richard Pryor. Keep it crispy. Ah, your middle initial is B. Keep it crispy. That's so annoying, Keep Katie. it crispy. Katie's so annoying. Now do it. Uh, uh, we can't please Katie. We have to keep it crispy. Ah, that wasn't very good. Keep it crispy. Five hundred weeks. You, you got to keep it crispy. That was bitch. it. I was like, you know, Richard Pryor. He really, he really just, you know, he had a message. That's what I try and do on stage. Get out of the way, honky bitch. <laughs> Why you white honky bitch? You white honky bitch. I am the fuck. Am I waiting for you, bitch? I have to get a soft serve in my mouth. I don't want I don't to make three, right? Is it prior? I don't I'm know what it is. I'm going you crazy honky bitch. Keep it crisp, everyone. Keep it crisp. Remain crispy. Thanks so much for doing it, dude. Thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 